There will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Exciting time to be involved in Bitcoin Cash at the moment. During that whole war of lightning versus big blocks, like, were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that went listening? Fundamentally, we believe in markets, transparency, and tokenization. Come on, you gotta come stronger than that, you know, like... Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise, a global reserve currency. This is episode number 68, 2023 in Coin Cooperation, featuring Grant from the LTC Underground. Today is Monday, the 2nd of January, 2023. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jet is producing, as always. It's a new year. We're back. Fresh year of the revolution. I was just checking. It's should be the 15th year of Bitcoin starting tomorrow. Bitcoin turns 14, so that will make it the going into the 15th uh, year. So we've got to finish out this first decade and a half uh, strong and make make some gains in terms of uh, getting adoption happening. But my guest today is from the Litecoin community and runs spaces and I guess advocates for cryptocurrency and can give us uh, a bit of an intro as to how he got involved himself, I guess. So Grant, welcome to the show. And how'd you get into Litecoin? Yeah, I was kind of that class of 17, I guess pre-17. I just, I bought a couple Bitcoin and um, had a friend that was kind of all about Litecoin and I started digging into it. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it sounds like a really corny thing, particularly in cryptocurrency where it's all about decentralization. But I think I always liked the way that Charlie kind of represented Litecoin. I liked that he was a little more chill there was a lot and that matched more my personality i felt like where uh i'm a patient person and so you know this kind of idea of like everything's about getting rich quick and uh <laughs> all, all just maybe it was a little too much for me and then you know everything was going on back then with you know the block size wars and uh yeah i don't know and i've just kind of settled into it and i like the community and i started this thing uh, about a year and a half ago i guess maybe a little over a year ago and um to start doing twitter spaces with the idea just that i wanted to have a place for litecoiners to kind of convene and uh yeah there i realized hey there's no litecoin podcast so i just turned our twitter spaces into a podcast and uh i don't do it as much as i used to unfortunately and so yeah this just kind of gotten me in i've ended up on camera a few times and so yeah it seems to be going well so here i am yeah, well, that's definitely a, a niche, I think, that you and I both saw because it would be about a year and a half ago. Well, it's coming up to two years at the end of this month that I started this podcast, right? And I think more and more people, especially in that sort of digital cash uh, niche of it, have really identified it's not about buying and holding it. It's about make making money or like getting traction or attention. You know, it's supposed to be an economy. It's not going to work if everybody just puts their coins in their wallet and just sits there and goes hope i get rich like no actually the way to get rich in crypto is to provide a valuable service you know be the uh creator of a large exchange or a large podcast or have a uh, killer app like a hardware wallet or something that people are all flooding into that'll get you rich far more reliably than picking the right coin buying and holding and you know having your your 
keys hacked like Luke Jr. Um, yeah, that this was afternoon, wild today. So. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always know. say like I, I always say I'm like there's no money to be made in in crypto if we're just there's no business between me sending you Litecoin or you sending me Bcash. Then I don't want to offend you if I call it Bcash. I hope that's not offensive. I know you can you can call, you can call it in the past. you can call it if you want, but yeah, you know, like the the interesting thing is uh, we've so we've kind of on this show we've had had this joke like Bitcoin will be cash to try and like uh, mollify it a bit, but the you know because right. the whole history of that ride is that the reason that it is so um, you know pointed is basically because at the time when there was you know the bitcoiners obviously wanted to sort of sideline us and say like oh this is not the real bitcoin of course we're trying to say it is the real right. bitcoin so they came up with that that name and we we lost the main branding unfortunately but the bigger issue was actually that they went out and registered like a lot of like bcash.com and like bcash like twitter handles and all this stuff so that as people were spreading that around then they could have control over all the information so you would go to the like bcash twitter and it would be like this is a scam or like you know, <laughs> whatever. So it's it was actually like a, a, a concerted attack. It wasn't even just like, oh, you know, we're just uh, trying to talk down to you. They actually, it was a full on disinformation. I've heard some campaign, rumors so. about these concerted efforts that like, I mean, maybe yeah. some of these rumors, I, you know, again, I can't, I'm maybe a little late to the game getting it, getting deep into this, but something about people, you know, kind of conspiring on different platforms to because i feel that from litecoin like i feel like there was a distinct change in 2000 probably 2019 up to that point there was still a decent amount of you know guys that would develop on both coins and they understood that you could kind of do things on both of them that was a benefit even if litecoin was going to be this little brother at least it was kind of a test net whatever you want to call it and then since then it's just been it's been wild man to watch this seeming yeah, no, no regard for truth. Just like, just disregard for Litecoin. I feel like Bitcoin Cash. <laughs> uh, you know, Monero gets the same treatment. Doge gets the same treatment. And granted, we're all different. There's all different implementations of kind of the same basic idea. And um, yeah, the, the we all feel in the same boat, I guess. You know. Yeah. No, no, definitely. And it's. I think it it comes out of the fact that crypto started obviously online and even even now the sort of physical network effect of it is is quite low uh, unless you're in a couple of very small select areas or at a crypto event or meetup maybe right but right. almost in 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 general it's still even as like now there's you know 15 or 20 percent or whatever of them you know american adults have crypto that's like they have crypto you know they bought five dollars right. on coinbase or whatever but the actual representation is not really that strong and so because it started online and because it is actually subversive and shaking up the order of things, we just live in a world where the most effective counterattack at it seemed to be social media disinformation and, you know, FUD, right? That was the whole right. point. It was clearly whoever looked into it and was like, we're going to have to slow down or stop this. They didn't think, okay, we're going to try and uh, build up enough miners to attack like the original Bitcoin network. That was clearly infeasible by the time they uh thought about it it wasn't like well we can go around and attack people you know actually in public or i did because there was too many anonymous people it was too spread around it was too dispersed 
that wasn't an option. So the the two uh, avenues ended up being capture of the code repository, which is famously what happened with Bitcoin BDC. And, you know, they still to this day, there was Bitcoin dev post this month about people arguing about how does somebody get appointed into Bitcoin core and like, you know, become one of the elevated priests of uh, right. what is the correct block size and, you know, every other change that they're making, like with uh, full RBF and whatever. So that was yeah. one angle. That was one part of the capture. And then the other part of the capture was uh, the social media attacks. And yeah, I'll send you some info later and you can uh, dig into the history. It's fascinating. But, you know, I was like personally affected. Right? I was posting on the Bitcoin uh, forums and stuff and got banned along with, you know. Yeah, I heard about all this. That, yeah. And it's just like <laughs> absolutely nuts. Uh, but yeah. it's all it's all ancient history now. But it does it does speak to uh the way the way things have developed and i guess now uh, i would say people in general are more aware of disinformation and the way that like there was the whole sort of you know fake news thing and then the coronavirus pandemic and we've just seen as people have become more and more attuned to the fact that the information we consume is is so manipulated so i'm i'm fascinated if you see a lot of that in the in the Litecoin community, do you have like specific examples or is there a trend? You want to hear, you know, this is actually the first time I made a video that went a little semi-viral in Litecoin. It was before I even had this. It's kind of a funny story, I think. But do you remember the Walmart story when Litecoin? Yeah, I do actually remember that. Right, it, so, they were on the website just for the for the listeners who don't know. Uh, yeah, so what, the... what happened is, yeah, like it was like the Guardian, like a pretty major uh, news outlet picked up this story from some like one literally this site was created wrote this one article and then the guardian picked it up and so litecoin dot or at litecoin they shared it and uh that's where they're like they you know they kind of got in the what they what they've said is like you know there's a lot of things that happen on litecoin we don't even know about right the litecoin foundation so like recently moneygram added litecoin and that wasn't they never talked to litecoin foundation just happened right and so they thought, well, maybe this happened. Like, <laughs> they didn't know, right? And uh, so I started digging into it. And I noticed that everybody who would, like, comment on these, all these bots were commenting on these, like, D-list, this D-list Litecoin. So I started searching on Twitter, D-list Litecoin. And almost all the accounts were these brand new accounts that were from, there. they'd be like, every post was Turkish, all written in Turkish and they were from Turkey. And then the only post they had in English was D list Litecoin. I was like, what the hell? So I was showing all these screenshots and it was like, there's this, where, what does this come from? Right? Like, I'm not saying like the country of Turkey coordinated it, but I don't know who would be rooted in those countries or why there would be this coordinated attack because there's no reason, you know, nobody who cares about Litecoin is going to put that out there knowing it's going to be disproven within five minutes. Right. I'll tell you for five minutes, I thought the world, the my world was flipping upside down. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It well, was once wild. you've seen it and experienced it once, then it I think it's the kind of thing that if you've never seen a direct instance of that happening or a direct case where you were sort of in the know enough to see it happen, because you right. wouldn't have noticed or known about all that unless you already had the background info of like like you were already down the rabbit hole if you're not down the rabbit hole that just seems like something that just rolls off your conscience and you're on to the next thing you just assume it was always true well right? i knew i, knew, so I you- know how these misinformation campaigns work like particularly on twitter the media is very savvy about taking uh you know a twitter comment there was another one that i started digging into it had to do with the whole ivermectin thing and um 
oh, it was um, that Twitter that uh, anti-vaxxers were drinking the the stuff that like the the rub on your cuts. You know what I'm talking about? You go to the doctor that brown yeah. stuff. I forget what it's called. Bactine yeah. or something, right? Yeah, it was like iodine. And uh, I was like, that's so weird. They had this huge article and they just cited, they said Twitter followers. And so I dug down the rabbit hole and I found they were referring to like three different accounts. One was some lady in the Philippines. One was some dude in Nepal or something. And the other was a guy with like eight followers. And I'm like, what is this? It's like, they're just, you know, they fabricate a narrative and they find reasons to create, you know, FUD as we call it, right? And the irony about it is that gargling with iodine is actually was effective shown as effective against all other SARS viruses in the past. So they told nurses to do that in the past. All right. That's just, that's a whole different yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. We don't that's need a, to that's a different into. rabbit hole, but we, we don't need to. Yeah. 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 Now that you know now, why but... my show goes on four hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but this is good. This is good. This is driving at a very specific point, which is that uh, quality information has always been a source of uh you know power and knowledge right but it's increasingly so in the in the modern age and we're just adapting to a different information like for instance the whole fundamentals of cryptocurrency is proof of work right is putting your money on the line in the form of burning electricity that what you're saying is true and you're prepared to like uh put skin in the game for that right and that's going to become increasingly a valued thing i really do believe that there's going to be i tweeted maybe a year or two ago, at some point about, at some point, I think news organizations are going to start putting crypto bounties on their stories. They will somehow with some multi-sig or whatever, however they do it, they'll say, report a headline and then put like the New York Times. Can you imagine if they put like, you know, some ridiculous like 50 Bitcoin or something like that on their uh, on their story? Like if this is proven tr- uh, false and we've got it wrong, whatever, we'll pay this out to in some way or donate to charity or whatever like that. That right. would rocket up their credibility so hard in an age where people are increasingly looking for alternative information sources. And that's obviously what this podcast is. That's what the content you do is, you know, that's it's providing those little avenues for people to work because you can just be more agile and more accurate getting to the the bottom of the story because there's not these huge, you know, corporate interests and political uh, interference at the large places from the you know, intelligence agencies. Yeah, all I'm this not- stuff. It's insane. We had a guy who, because Litecoin has some NFTs, very little right now. It's just starting. But um, right when it just was possible, there was a guy that was like going through and like putting, you know, I think it was like the Declaration of Independence on the blockchain. And like, that's a really cool thing. I think could happen, particularly with NFTs or something like that, where, you know, pictures get edited over time, right? Audio gets edited. The, the idea that you can have a, a time capsule that you know has not been tainted over the course of however many years is a pretty wild concept because, you know, as you know, take, take what Satoshi put on, you know, when he first what signed that Genesis block, right. That can't be distorted in a hundred years. There's nobody that can come back and act like that wasn't a headline what from that date. Right. Where yeah. we don't know. You know, I was talking with my mom about this and you don't know in the 1870s, we have no idea what that was like. We get, we're just getting, second third fourth hand information and to think that wasn't filtered by somebody is i mean we'd be crazy right we can't get real-time information today exactly (laughs) so about 500 years ago how distorted things have been by all that passage of time oh exactly 
And that's where it gets kind of philosophical. You know, I like that about crypto has many layers, but what that's one of the things that you can really sort of drill into it and say, well, crypto is about, can we establish an objective truth? You know, that yeah. kind of gets, uh, gets to that at a certain point. All right. Well, that's, that's our philosophical uh, intro <laughs> to have to make sure we hit on some points. Another uh, very philosophical element, the price of crypto. Uh, so VCH oh, yeah. is a bit down this week. We touch on it every week. I've got the Litecoin prices in here. We usually do BCH and then the ratio with BDC and ETH. But I've got okay. Litecoin in here hey, uh, just for you. So USD Appreciate $96.94. So we're down a little bit. We're starting the year, but, you know, it's the start of the year. So we're obviously just setting a good low so we can get a massive, you know, yearly gains. That's, okay. that's clearly the strategy. One Bitcoin is 171.4 BCH, so we're down against Bitcoin. One ETH is 12.3 BCH, so also down against uh, Ethereum. And one Bitcoin Cash currently buys 1.36 Litecoins. Litecoin is today up at number 12, $70.95. Yeah. So... Absolutely crushing it with the Litecoin community. Maybe, you know, within striking distance of top 10, that's always... Well, uh, if you take out the stable coins, it is. Yeah, I think it's number eight minus stables. Very, very impressive. So how do you handle the... I mean, we already joked a bit about not the HODL and blah, blah, blah. But I ask every guest, how how do you handle... Uh, volatility in the markets. Crypto is obviously very volatile. Do you trade? Did you ever trade? Do you have a uh, coin portfolio or just past. Litecoin? I've traded in the past. You know, honestly, I did. I haven't touched anything in like a year and a half. And just yesterday, I took a tax loss, <laughs> and I'm gonna rebuy next year or whatever when I yeah. can. Right. So whatever next week. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something I did for a while and I just, it wasn't worth it to me with all the tax implications and just became a mess. And, and I felt like keeping the stuff on the exchanges, honestly, I got really freaked out. I don't know what hit me. I was using Abra, you know, those different investment platforms and earning a yield. I did it for about two or three months. And I thought, man, this is the one thing I worry about is, is more than anything is the government coming in and saying, you have to register all these coins. We're going to track where they're going. Um, and granted, they can kind of do that already, but that they would actually freeze your funds unless you were you know, moving into some sort of authorized wallet. I feel like that's the most likely attack that they could have, particularly in the U.S., because we have a lot of compliant people in the U.S. So I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Pulled everything out. And I Nothing did anything. I'll, if I want to trade or move, it's I'm on an exchange. I'm doing my action and I'm done. And I'm starting to do some DeFi. Like, I don't know if you guys look at ThorChain. ThorChain's one I'm... A little bit messing around with it. I'm actually, I think is going to be a pretty cool tool. There's a lot you can do on there as it grows. Yeah, I do need to read into that. I know, obviously, Joel, he's a huge fan of uh, ThorChain. He's always hyping that up. They have had some like hacks and issues in the past. So I haven't yep. dug into it exactly how decentralized and resilient and bug free it is, but they've been around for a while. So I'm sure over time, they're slowly just, you know, sealing up the, the loopholes there. And I love the idea that. If you can deposit, you know, just any any layer one currency basically and get a yield on that at a, a, like a reasonable rate, you know, if it's a twenty percent yield, you just know there's some scams going to go. But but if it's like a two percent yield, like it's kind of like a traditional bank savings deposit, but you can have your layer one crypto in there with nobody able to rug you. I love the idea of that. That's for sure. Yeah, the, the what I did with it, I put some into. Uh, I think we talked about it on that show, right? Uh, they have like a liquidity pool, and so. I put like four Litecoin on 
like a year and a half ago. Like I, and again, I just put in there. I'm just going to see what happens with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's overall hasn't done great, but that's all based on you're bringing fees in. Like you're providing liquidity for trades. There's a percent of fees and you get a piece of that percentage. So that at least, like you said, there's some sort of mechanism that you know what is going on and why I'm getting return. Um, yeah, that all said, I would take definitely with ThorChain, if you're going to use it, probably use some very consider it a high risk situation because there's still it's still a very small volume exchange but yeah those are the things i need to learn you know i checked out of that this last run i just got i got overwhelmed with nfts and metaverse and all this all the sandbox and all that shit and i was like i, I don't know i just didn't have time for it all you know i got a life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i, I understand proof of work i understand the blockchain some of this other stuff seems a little too uh, confusing and it almost seems intentional, you know? There is so much of it. And that's one of the craziest things is I'm obviously down the rabbit hole on crypto all day, every day. And by this point, I'm just seeing a tiny fraction of what's going on. Really, mm -hmm. there's so much stuff that I've not... I mean, it's like any field of knowledge, I guess. Uh, the you know the fundamentals kind of never go out of date. And if you have a good grasp of them, it helps to make sense of everything else. But... For the amount that we're trying to get the whole world to understand crypto and start using it, which will happen. People say to me like, oh, it needs to be, you know, like addresses are too confusing. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like domain names or email addresses once upon a time, a phone number was the world's most confusing thing that nobody understood. But you just right. give it another, you know, 10 years, 15 years and slow the knowledge just sort of seeps into the population. It's exactly the same with all the all the crypto stuff. So that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get there. But of course, it's a bumpy road along the way <laughs> as people people learn how these uh, how these things work. So yeah, speaking of that, we've got the start of the week. I do a start of the week on every uh, show, but this oh, one is actually comes from you. Uh, yeah. You brought it up on this uh, digital cash rundown that we did with uh joel people can check that out as well too if they're interested and uh, we did you kind of mentioned it we didn't really get a chance to talk into the details because the conversation moved on so i wanted to check up on it here so litecoin yeah. is absolutely destroying bch on bitpay we've got so at the current um share of transactions on bitpay you got bitcoin at 41 percent litecoin 27.6 percent ETH 11.66 percent doge 9.23 percent usdc 4.11 percent BCH 3.12%, BUSD 0.52%, XRP, SHIB, DAI, like, and a bunch of others at the bottom there as well, too. So, ApeCoin, uh, Litecoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. Somebody's somebody's uh, doing some deals with ApeCoin, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Was it you? <laughs> no, you, no. You I like, talked oh, to okay, the okay. BitPay, because I, I, they were at the Litecoin Summit, and I asked the BitPay guy, I'm like, what is with ApeCoin? Why would you put ApeCoin on? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, right? How many customers could possibly be demanding ApeCoin? And I think there was some association with Yuga Labs, or somebody wanted to get it on BitPay, so they probably they made enough noise, and maybe they lined some pockets. I don't know, but you know, I don't think there's any volume coming out of it. Um, but this has actually been kind of a I'll be honest, a bit of a surprise because as you and I had talked, um, you know, BitPay didn't even have Litecoin until July of 21, I think it was. And I and I want to say the first month it was right behind ETH at like 15%, and ETH was maybe 20. And then since then it's just continued to grow. So overall, the platform's grown in the last year and a half. I mean, they have more transactions every day. 
Um, Litecoin transactions are obviously up because they keep growing. And then, and Bitcoin's actually down a decent amount. So I don't know if this is just like, cause it's, I don't use BitPay a lot. I, I just got into it and you can use it for buying gift cards. And I know there's some, some places that like a register, you can do it. Right. But I'm guessing most of it's gift cards. Yeah. So, well, I think, I think there's, yeah, that, well, that was part of what I kind of wanted to you know, chat about because yeah, it is very impressive definitely to see the Litecoin share on the rise. Obviously, Doge also massively on the rise. BCH was at the at one point, it was I think the second or maybe the top three. It had sort of yeah, 10 or 15 percent, but it's declined. And my theory on that is not that Bitcoin Cash is actually getting used less overall. It, it certainly is on BitPay, but actually just that they started adding more and more sort of KYC. And I went to buy something on a BitPay merchant and there was this big form that came up, fill in your name and da 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 da, oh, da, da. Gotcha. And at that point, I was instantly like, I'm out of here. See you later. And yeah. uh, actually because of that, what has happened is the Bitcoin Cash community, because uh, just historically for uh, as happens a lot it's kind of we got to do it our, our, ourselves like you know you have like bit refill and you know different bitcoin maximalist influence yeah. things that won't even list it so what happens the bitcoin cash community builds its own like homegrown stuff so we've got like prompt.cash and the bitcoin cash register app and stuff like that we have our own like payment club that are just like basically bch only because on these uh multi-coin platforms things go in a direction that the community doesn't like either you know intentionally or not and so i think that's a big part of the sort of declining volume here i also put here the wallets that are most used on the which i found on the same page and it has the bitpay wallet trust wallet metamask exodus coinbase and dogecoin core pretty impressive by dogecoin core to get into there obviously they've got a bit yeah. of an economy going there with dogecoin <clears> and <throat> getting on dogecoin core and then paying bitpay to get up to 10%. So, but like none of those wallets are ones that the Bitcoin Cash community heavily uses, right? Like Bitcoin.com right. or Paytaka or even maybe um maybe Exodus a little bit. Obviously so not that like, you know. Are those the wallets that a BitPay pay user is receiving from? Is that what it's saying? I think that these are the ones that bit that like those invoices that are paid in, this is where they think like the people spending those transactions, this was the wallets they were using. Interesting. That was what I took away. That from. is interesting about Dogecoin. Because that tells me that there's like some um, uh, merchants out there that are setting up their own Dogecoin core wallet to receive. No, I think it's the other way around. People are sending from the Dogecoin. Oh, gotcha. Like the, the end I customers. See. Like there must be some mad that is crazy big group of, uh, of people running dogecoin nodes who are like linked who'd have a merchant because the merchant the whole point of bitpay is that the merchant probably isn't accepting the crypto themselves. oh yes they yeah, could I do guess. that uh but most likely they're actually converting it off to you know fiat or in some you know breakdown or, or whatever right so yeah, yeah dogecoin's like the, been this like pleasant surprise for us litecoiners you know like i used to be probably like everybody else like it's kind of just this fun joke whatever it was like 40 sats or something like that back in the day and the whole merge mining thing was lost on me with litecoin for the for the majority of the time and then you know last year we really talked a lot about it and i think there was this kind of uh i don't i don't know there was a resistance for us to embrace doge because it was we didn't almost like didn't want to be associated with it in some way but in reality I think they're a fun community. I think it's a great coin to, if you want to teach somebody how to use cryptocurrencies, 
they're a nickel, you know, like your kids, they think it's fun. Oh, I got some Dogecoin. It doesn't cost much money, you know, and it, it works fundamentally the same as Bitcoin cash, Litecoin, Bitcoin, you know, UTXO sets, blocks, all that stuff. So um, it's, yeah, that's been kind of a fun addition. And I've been trying to embrace that community as much as possible because I think they're, they're, they're learning a lot, right? Like they understand, I think they understand the, um, the ethos of it more than the fundamentals. And I think but where it's the opposite, like where Bitcoiners used to be so hardcore with the ethos. I almost feel like Dogecoiners are more about that. Like, Hey, it's a community circular economy. We don't need these banks, that type of stuff. And that's disappeared from the BTC community and it's not disappeared, but it's not nearly as loud as it once was. And I think that's just an interesting, it's just so funny because Doge, like they're, they're stumbling into it. I don't think they're conscious of what they're building yet, but they're building a very cool community. Yeah. No, it is absolutely, and I love the Dogecoin community. Uh, I was, yeah, definitely one of the earliest uh, Dogecoiners back in like 2014 or whatever. Uh -oh. I had a huge stack of it that then got uh, stolen on uh, Cryptsy when Cryptsy went bust. I oh, had like no. millions of Dogecoin that you know vanished. At the time, it wasn't worth all that much, but you know, if I still had it, I'd be balling. But you know, what what, what can you do? The the Doge gives and the Doge takes. So uh, I had. had <laughs> <laughs> had fun with it at the time and yeah i think the dogecoin community is great they do a ton of uh out you know just outreach and getting people excited and interested in in cryptocurrency which is amazing uh and like you say it, it sort of it's like uh introducing mark cuban talks about it a lot it's sort of introducing people to the idea of crypto it's like my first crypto type of thing and yeah for then sure it, or i i sometimes think of it it's kind of like alcohol or something like that that's like the what are those things <laughs> the called gateway those, drug? Uh, vodka yeah yeah <laughs> the vodka, like uh martin what are those what are the alka pops it's it's like those and then you know but then people people eventually get onto you know the the moderate stuff. stuff you got you know btc and then you get onto the hard stuff you know monero <laughs> bitcoin cash, yeah, whatever, yeah, right? yeah. where it's like the long time uh, uh coins where everybody's very like dead serious and but you need to have a balance that's the whole point is that cryptos need to have uh, they need to be approachable and friendly to new uh comers and stuff like that but on the other hand there is yeah there's sort of a spectrum and trade-off where if your coin is all fun and games and there's not a bit of serious element then you're going to struggle to have like serious devs and like serious scaling and things to all actually work and make progress you know with proper businesses and stuff like that but on the other hand if you're too hardcore and grouchy then you're, you're never going to attract fresh fresh blood so you've certainly got to find a bit of a a bit of a middle ground uh on that the bitcoin cash community is certainly on the more hardcore and maybe the litecoin community it's it would be I don't know. What do you think on the spectrum of fun to serious business? Where where does Litecoin sit? Um, you know, I I like to think we're evolving a bit, and I and I do think so. Just so people, if you don't know, Dogecoin is merge mined with Litecoin, so that means you can't you can mine them independently if you want, but it doesn't cost you anything to just mine both of them at the same time. So that kind of gives us a attached to the hip type of thing with them. And I do think that that's, I don't know, that's something I've tried to make it be like, we're all a big community here. So um, we don't need to, we shouldn't be excluding Dogecoiners. Like that's what I felt like when I first came in. Cause we talked about at the Litecoin summit, which just happened a couple months ago, 
like a year ago, we were talking to the foundation saying, let's make it a joint summit, Litecoin, Dogecoin. And they were kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of our thing. And I get, you know, because they put a lot of work in. So I get it's their thing. It's an expensive thing to do. And um, I think they want to have it for their own. So I understand that. But um, I think I think we're getting there. I think Litecoiners, a lot of them are old Bitcoiners. You know, they were originally Bitcoin. And almost everybody was originally Bitcoin, but you know, we still believe that ethos like you guys do peer to peer digital cash using any sort of intermediaries, uh, even though Litecoin will have the lightning network or does does, but it doesn't get used much today. I don't know that we're all that big of fans of it yet. I think it's going to have its certain use cases. Um, and I actually last week was we talked quite a bit about it. I don't know that lightning network is worth the trade offs because I feel like it leads towards uh centralization of nodes particularly like if you understand how it operates and you have to have these larger liquidity providers i think that's just asking for problems so like exchanges should use it like if you're already a kyc exchange but i don't know that every retailer needs to be hooked up to the lightning network i think that seems kind of silly <laughs> just sounding more and more like a, a Bitcoin casher every. Oh, we're all crypto people, here, right? We get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Everything's a everything's a trade off, and certainly that yeah. was also you know part of the original split. And the problem was that what it came down to is the big blogs actually are not against the Lightning Network. I don't have any objection to the Lightning Network. If it works, it's great. And the beautiful thing is it's all open source. So if it really starts kicking off, you better believe we'll just crack out the. Visual Studio Code and just copy paste that onto onto the <laughs> it would actually work a lot better actually because uh, the the gate the gating point is being able to open and close the channels right if you can't if it's expensive to close the channel then you can fraud someone for any amount below the cost of a a channel close oh, and they're yeah. screwed because it costs them more to dispute uh, your transaction than it would be for them to to get it back right which is the whole problem with Bitcoin's so all high fee model you know that's just clearly not going to work let alone the fact that you can't even onboard only so many people because there's only so many channels you, <laughs> you should listen to my so, first podcast it's what it was all about the the numbers yeah, yeah. the numbers don't lie this 200 to 250 million transactions a year is just it's a hard cap like i, I yes. say we've already seen bitcoin completely maxed out it's happened a few times in our in our history in our short history we don't even have that many people using it and so yes. the fact you go what it was it couple weeks even back in 21 it got when china crapped out right it you had these long wait times and (laughs) i thought it was funny with this binance this whole fiasco with ftx and everybody's withdrawing their coins and binance does these like reorg days or something like that and they bloat the blockchain i don't know if you know i'm talking about really no no it happens like once they did it they did it at the terra luna crash and they did it again at ftx i think it's intentional to just I don't know, piss people on off. On Bitcoin, on BTC. On BTC. Oh, uh, yes, I know. Yeah, they put in a few massive transactions, pay like $20 fees, and then just like, you guys can't withdraw now. It's yeah, and serious. everybody's mad, right? Everyone's like, well, they think it's Binance like holding up the world, but it's just the fact that, hey, guess what? Welcome to Bitcoin. It doesn't work that fast, you know? It might take you eight hours. Go ahead, Jet. Uh, Pox put out a tweet that was like, whoever made the script for these withdrawals should be fired because it's either stupidity or incompetence and either of them are inexcusable at th- like this far into crypto. Because, um, yeah, they were paying like 100x what they needed to for fees for each transaction. So, ridiculous. I think it was, in- I, I think it's got to be intentional. Yeah. Doesn't it, don't you feel like it's got to be intentional? 
I don't think it has to be intentional. I think there's a lot of things that can fly under the radar with crappy software devs or just if the it just it's just how engineering works. If something is not the highest priority, it's the lowest priority. That's how it works, you know? It's right. like you can have five things on fire and the one thing that the most important customer is screaming about, that'll get fixed. The rest of it, you got the customer support agents. It'll be all right. We're, we're looking into it. Don't worry. You know, yeah. that's all bullshit. Anybody who's ever got any of those emails, your problem could be fixed in half an hour if the team got onto it. But <laughs> you are just not the most important customer. I hate to break it to you. There's that's also, exactly what it is. There's also an old quote that's like, don't attribute to, uh, don't attribute maliciousness to what is easier explained by incompetence or something like that. <laughs> and I think that's, the case in in most uh circumstances yeah 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 Yeah, no it makes sense so tell us tell us a bit more about the what the litecoin community is up to though because i'm I'm obviously fascinated you mentioned about this uh conference that they were having recently obviously it's beholden on the bitcoin cash community and that was another point where we split with the btc community was to us it's not about everything else is a shitcoin no actually it's the free market so we got to be keeping a close eye on every other currency especially any ones that are making any killer moves because if we're going to copy <laughs> any good ideas right that's for sure uh, or at the very least, if we don't like something, then we're going to, you know, uh, maybe make that even more stark so that we we stand out some more. So, yeah, what what actually is the latest? How do you think the Litecoin community is, is doing? How's the vibe these days? Uh, I think it's been really good. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't I feel weird like saying, oh, well, I think my my show has helped. But I do think having these weekly get togethers has been really good for developing like a, a coordinated kind of voice. So, because there's so much, you know, as you know, there's so much FUD that gets thrown out there and misinformation. And I think if you're somebody who hasn't been, you know, hasn't maybe taken the time to even analyze it and go, well, how do I combat this? Or what's the best way to kind of come back at this? Um, then you don't really, you don't know what to say, or maybe you end up saying something stupid or wrong. And so uh, particularly there's some guys that come into my Twitter spaces. If you want to follow good light coiners, I always recommend Indigo. I don't even know. I think he goes by Indo Doge now, but it's Indigo Nakamoto. Uh, he's he's like our numbers guy, right? He's the guy that knows all the transactions. He understands Lightning Network block sizes, which we all do, but he can rattle it off. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's been really helpful. I mean, the biggest thing that's happened in the last year is Mimblewimble extension blocks, MWeb, um, which is a privacy slash scalability layer. And you guys might not know this but it kind of makes litecoin able to be as big a blocks as bcash how big are bitcoin cash Love blocks that. right now well at the moment the the soft limit i think is about eight megabytes that like oh, there's a bit of contention about this some people are like well you can technically just submit any size and the network can like vote to follow you kind of thing but uh basically it's like 32 megabytes is kind of where the limit is and the okay. research uh and stuff has already been done essentially to go up to 256 megabytes which is actually Ooh. huge because it's something like yeah with the community would need like over 500x growth before we were even if that was that and that's still at 0.01 cent fees right that's before we even start right uh, pushing the the boundaries but the bitcoin cash community is very very serious about this so when they put up the limits that means like everybody's done the work like all the wallets and the indexes and stuff like that are like we can actually handle this so they don't they don't bump it up until till everyone's kind of ready uh but that's yeah that's 
that's the plan at the moment so it's eight megabytes we do about okay. like less than you know half a megabyte per block anyway so there's loads of room but as soon as it starts getting close uh, to 32 megabytes then uh it'll be up to 256 basically but yeah anyway that's that's where we're at yeah well so what, what mweb is is so these extension blocks essentially run and the guy who created it's gonna get mad at me because i won't do this right but let's say they run they just run in parallel get mined in parallel um on the Litecoin blockchain. So it's not like it's some separate entity. It's not like liquid that's the side chain. It's it is Litecoin going into these extension blocks. There's like a peg in and peg out process. And in that sense, it actually operates similarly to uh the lightning network, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Like you essentially lock your coins up in the MWeb extension block. And then when you want to come out, you come out. Um what's what's going on in there is inside the extension blocks there are no transaction uh, amounts and there's no addresses. So if I send to you MWeb to MWeb, you and I can see what's going on, but there's nothing that gets posted to the blockchain. So um not to not to the layer one blockchain, but on the layer two blockchain, there must be some information like a cryptographic proof or something, right? But just not with the clear yes. text, the numbers. And that's right? some of the stuff that I you know have a hard time grasping. I'm not a cryptologist or a cryptographer. I'm not a coder. Uh, David Burkett. So I, I was lucky enough, like literally I was so shocked. They let me host the, uh, kind of the launch of MWeb. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you can watch it and he explains it. Um, it's a bit confusing, but essentially, yeah, there's a crypto cryptographic proof of the amount of coins that are in your wallet versus somebody else's wallet. And so that MWeb block is the way it's been explained to me. It's a one megabyte block, but essentially because of their ability to prune data, because you're not recording transaction amounts and addresses, it's a lot less data. And so it's a, it's essentially like a two to three megabyte block in capacity or in weight. They call it weight. So that's the part that I'm still wanting to get a firm answer on. But that block is flexible up to 10 megabytes is what Charlie has said. I mean, we're not we're not gonna use we're not gonna do that until it actually needs it, right? So probably similar to what you guys are talking about, why it's already pretty dang inexpensive. So why would you bloat? <laughs> why would you have these huge empty blocks if you don't need to have them? Um, so yeah, that with the fact that there's four blocks for every one ends up essentially Litecoin could get to the equivalent of like a 40 megabyte, 10 minute block. If that makes sense. You get what I'm saying? Every 10 minutes yeah. like you guys. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously really exciting because I, I think the privacy aspect is it's an interesting conversation. It's probably one, you know, you always have the Monero people, absolute privacy on everything 100% of the time. I think there's going to be customers for something like that. And then you're going to have your fully transparent blockchains. I think there's going to be a desire for that. And the fact that Litecoin is on every exchange and is on all these major platforms already and now introduces this privacy tech, I think is a really you know, it's, I don't call it like, yeah, like Trojan, like now we're sneaking it in, but the fact we're already there makes it more likely that this will be available to people where the problem with Monero is that it's just not going to be available to the vast majority of people if they want to go find it and use it um, as readily as where you can use Litecoin. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I, yeah, I did obviously need to read up on the details one thing that fascinates me about this whole sort of mimble wimble uh 
element to it is that's not something that I see in the BDC community. And there was has been a lot of like you even said yourself earlier, like Litecoin. I don't know. I guess deliberately, but they sort of branded themselves maybe to get more um, cachet or something as like, oh, it's like the test net. It's like you can do be a bit more experimental, do a bit few more things. I think Litecoin might have even had Segwit before BDC did. Yeah. But so in that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. The demonized Charlie Lee, right? He put a million dollars in a Segwit account and said, "Come get it," right? Which you guys might hate him for that, but that's he was proving that look. This is just as secure as the other, as the normal non-Segwit accounts. And so, yeah, the first Lightning transaction was on Litecoin. So, uh, yeah, I think that, and that's, again, like if I'm a Bitcoiner, what's what's the harm in Litecoin? It's valuable to you. I, I don't think that that, um, I don't know why this contention. I just feel like I'm, I'm over it this year. I'll get back into it. I'll be, you know, I'll get fired up at some point, like in May or something, but I'm just over the whole fight, <laughs> you know. Well, we got to stop fighting each other. We got to, you know, fight the fight the common enemy. I guess that's. I think that's going to be one of the big story arcs of of crypto in 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 2023. Uh, but with the hold on, jet, hold on, this in. begs the question: What's the common enemy? Because yeah, it's CBDCs. Well, there's part of that inside of Bitcoin Core. There's part of that inside of central banks, but there's part of that in the people that you speak to in a day-to-day life, right? So there it's not like like uh I don't I've I this is something that I just kind of thought about briefly, but I need to really flush my thought out on this because the whole like I agree. If we're going to have collaboration across coins, we have to have a common enemy, otherwise it'll just result in more infighting and people diverging and whatever. But if we can't even agree on what the common enemy is, then I think that's worse than if we were to stay segregated. Well, okay, how about this? Instead of a common enemy, maybe a common goal. Let's uh, let's aspire <laughs> instead of thinking that we're going to hurt, right? Because I, I do think you have to build... That was what I was going to say earlier about the Dogecoin community. I think what they're building is strength in numbers. And that's that's been my, my goal is like, I want to bring as many people into this tent as possible because the biggest issue you have is if you're this like niche group, you're easy to target. It's easy to, you know, just, I'll just ban it all. It's only a couple, you know, tech nerds that are using Bitcoin and a bunch of terrorists and, you know, (laughs) child molesters. So like, if it's just them, then, okay, fine, ban it. That's easy. The general public likes it. But if everybody gets it and it's lighthearted and fun, like the NFT stuff, I think is another great one. People get into it and they're like, well, I'm not a criminal. I'm using this technology, but I'm just a normal person. It becomes a lot harder for this common enemy, like like the government to stamp it out, I think. So, yeah, I think it's a strength in numbers. My goal is a free market that people can choose to use what money they want to use. Um, and, yeah, the government's going to be the one that wants to stop that. Absolutely. Yeah, and you're spot on, which is that the the bigger the community is is the better, and that's kind of comes back to the both the the tragedy and the brilliance of crypto is is that 
before there was the whole uh bitcoin split it was everybody was on bitcoin like you're saying everybody came from bitcoin everybody was in bitcoin yes and and that truly was the time when litecoin was like the test net and ethereum was like not even a thing really and blah 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 and it was the amount of momentum and stuff was overwhelming but of course uh, after the after the split which not only split up the BTC and BCH community but a lot of you know there's a lot of collateral damage a lot of people moved off into other coins some people left crypto entirely yada 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 and that was a good thing in one way because it's now meant this diversified market where we can let various approaches all play out you can even buy some of every different coin and be uh spread out if you don't know what's going on or you want to spread your risk or whatever so that's brilliant uh and everybody kind of got what they wanted and that was the beauty of the open source element but on the other hand it does mean that it's now fractious and tribal and everybody's arguing with each other so we kind of have uh got a positive and a negative out of that whole scenario really and it's it would be fascinating you know in an alternate universe to have some insight into what what would have happened if everybody stayed on the same page but it didn't happen and so now we're kind of in this uh zone where obviously like they talk about on this show you know the game is to be a global reserve currency i my theory is that everybody is going to reconverge onto bitcoin cash right not quickly but uh, it will develop once it gets a little bit of momentum going, which you could probably make this argument for any other coin. But once it gets a bit mm-hmm. of momentum going, the economic impact will be so great that it won't be like a matter of ideology. It'll just be like everybody else has BCH. So I need some because I want to buy something. Right. Right. That's yeah. going to be the especially as, you know, fiat currencies melt down. And that's something all cryptos have in common that the higher inflation goes. And you have so many people now that are so aware of that, the more compelling the whole um thing becomes so i was actually keen to ask you about that do do you think litecoin could be the currency that the whole world converged onto in the long run how do you see it i don't know playing out in terms of the place it can get to you know it's funny because i like this guy today i went to college with him i haven't talked i don't ever talk to him but he knows i'm into this and he messaged me like you still do litecoin he's like i'm pretty much just a bitcoiner and just kind of trying to learn about these things and yeah, that whole global reserve currency. I don't even know what that means to tell you the truth. Because like when gold was the global reserve currency, what it was is, you know, it's held by the richest countries in the world, primarily by the governments themselves. And it was a at the will of the government, it was the gold standard, right? It wasn't like the people chose it necessarily. Now they might have naturally chosen well... the- the people chose it before that, right? It was the other way around, right? People all around the world had historically just used gold for trade because it was valuable because it had the problem well, of money. But they didn't know. You know, they used silver was actually fairly common, right? Copper yeah. was a was a used. These different metals were used, and I'm, I'm not saying that gold's a worse form of money than silver or something, but um, you can say that. Yeah, I would. I'd love. To, I would love to hear that. No, argument. I'm not going to say true. that. Really? No, no. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, as far as it depends on what. Again, we're in, there's the trade-offs, but uh, no, I think that you know, gold was was not necessarily like the world decided gold. I don't know that that's necessarily the truth, because like Romans used silver, right? They stamped silver. They used silver coinage. Why? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the differences were. But what were we asking about? Oh, reserve currency. Because I, I think it's kind of weird that everything's tradable, right? So everything's going to have value versus itself. So if you want to say is one of them going to be like the marker by which we value all other assets, I guess I could see that happening. And But I don't know that it even matters. 
Because if Bitcoin is the global reserve currency and Litecoin's a quarter of a Bitcoin, okay, and then you can trade in your Litecoin for 0.25 Bitcoin. To me, that's just interchangeable. I don't see how that, it doesn't mean like all value uh, gets soaked up by one chain. You don't think that's going to happen? Because my my uh, contention is it's not it's not a winner-take-all, but it is definitely going to be a winner-take-most, right? Is that the idea is like at the time when Bitcoin was scaling and the fees remained low, there was just so like Bitcoin was growing faster than anything else could possibly catch up. And if you mm-hmm. have a coin that gets momentum as as money that people are genuinely using as money, uh, that that is a very it's like the strongest network effect in the world, except for ma- like even language. It's probably even stronger than language, right? People's economic interests. So once you have that uh, protocol that everybody's jumping on that protocol, the mm-hmm. we've seen twice. It's been with Bitcoin originally before the split, and then with Ethereum started having a similar moment where the the growth of it was just crazy. Of course, right. they had the same problem, but for different reasons, which was that their fees became high. And then once the fees become high, the economic reality uh, spreads it out into other. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, don't but you think that my, that's likely anyway? I, I, I feel like there'd be, we'd be better off if we had like 10 successful coins that all kind of yeah, tra- inter- interoperated, like had a very similar protocol, right? The way they were secured or the way they um, operated. And it was just understood. You trade, you know, the exchange amount. And that way you have 10 different networks, 10 different mining algorithms. You know what I'm saying? Like if we're talking. Well, that's like this, sharding. This it almost sounds like, like sharding. Like if, cause that's what I'm saying. If Ethereum managed to make sharding and let's say they managed to split it down to, you know, uh, 64 shards or something. So they instantly got a huge boost of scalability on top of what they already had. And then things could then be switched around between like, we, we are going to be in this world one of my favorite uh services or things to look at like uh, is like thorchain is like side shift as well another any of those services where you can just decentralized or you know crypto to crypto swaps i think is fascinating because when you add the fiat element in there then there's the government and there's regulations there's all this mm-hmm. stuff but the way that crypto to crypto can be quite seamless it's is super interesting uh because it's everything's a push transact you know once i've sent in the crypto i can't get it back so then the service can can send me the other side and not have to worry about scams right but the once the if if anything truly got on a roll then yeah i can see everything just there will still be a like a huge number of coins right but there'll be a twenty thousand or a hundred thousand crummy coins basically and there might be five or six sort of major ish you know between two and ten major kind of coins which we already almost kind of have like you say if you take out the stable coins then you know once you get get down to it it's like okay you've got bitcoin you've got ethereum a bitcoin cash litecoin monero maybe dash then you've got some of those uh cardano and a couple of those like it still is under probably 20 that are solid networks with real communities of organic people and so on and then i see so there would be that pack and then there would just be one that was like bitcoin used to be you know 85 percent of the market which would just be the baseline to which everything is measured against so i kind of feel like once something gets on a run it can grab that opportunity but the bottleneck has been scaling every time something has had enough yeah, and that's probably that. that's but I, I do think maybe that's why i feel like it's going to be really hard for like that's the reason why gold didn't become the only currency and it would be called divisibility scalability there's always a trade-off right people used other monies like i would bet that most citizens in the united states probably didn't hold any gold at all right 
they would hold they would use silver they would That's use maybe a derivative of gold yeah. like a paper note but they would very rarely hold physical gold so um yeah I, I would agree with you and i think even i would even say that something like ethereum i don't quite see that being considered a money like that's the other difference like what's a money and what's a a blockchain like a money in that ecosystem sure but is it going to be something that people generally use it gets see like even today like we've got right now we've got you got gift cards you got airline miles you have all sorts of different forms of the u.s dollar and they're basically interchangeable right credit's interchangeable with cash and so uh, there's a guy that we have talked to a couple times. One of my regulars really likes him, Eric Voskel. He's an old Bitcoiner. And he kind of has this theory like, you're going to go pay. You're going to pay with what you want to pay. The merchant's going to receive what they want to receive. And neither of you neither of you is either going to know it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's going to be seamless. At some point, we'll find ways to make that trade. And I'm with you. Like, I think if we can have some DeFi that uh, has enough liquidity and it's provided by users. And you're just totally escaping the fiat system and just circumventing it. That's probably the best bet. Yeah, I I do think there's going to be yeah, there's going to be definitely services that just switch between them, and the market competition will just drive down the fees until it gets to be very very nominal. But I still feel like things are going to have to consolidate just from a a technical point of view, right? In terms of all the software devs and the protocol right. stack and everything, just yeah, you can't have a hundred too much beneficial. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. Who who's going to want to make like even the services that do it now that make Coinbase makes a wallet that integrates with a certain amount of coins? At a certain point, they give up. They're just like these yep. coins are not relevant. <laughs> so, well, Coinbase so ain't giving ABM. up. I don't, that's a bad example. Coinbase is adding everything. <laughs> you know what I mean, but. But yeah, like even the Robin Hoods, the PayPal's are going, okay, at some point we we can't have everything. Um, yeah. can, can I take a left? I want to ask you something because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I said, Question I, have and friend, answer show. <laughs> I have a good friend who's a Bitcoin casher and he started taking me down the rabbit hole of, um, what was it called? The New York Agreement? Is that what it was called? Yes. Yes. Do you think that had they stuck to that original agreement, there would have been a hard fork? Well, there's a lot there's a lot that sort of goes into it. Like there was the whole the New York agreement. There's another one, the Hong Kong agreement and, and all that. And at that time when all that was going on, you know, I was this anon on the Reddit forums, you know, commenting on, on what was going on. And the biggest problem with, with all of that was the, um, the fact that to the rest of the community, it wasn't transparent. The whole point about the blockchain was it should be transparent and you know what goes on. But to anybody who wasn't there or directly knew somebody who was involved, like this is still a small community that we're talking about at the time, then you you, you didn't, it was like, this is it. We're getting, this is the, <laughs> we're get, uh, suddenly the walls have come up and what's going on. It's no longer a, an organic community project. So the New York agreement, that was the one where they agreed that they were going to do SegWit 2X, right? Is that? Am I remembering I that so, right? Yeah, Jet, right. So you have you two megabyte it. blocks with SegWit. And was it that also you it's potential you would grow in the future as well, right? See, Jet well, see, not as I don't know if you, yeah. I don't know if the people can see him or not. No, they can yeah, yeah, hear no. him. <laughs> when he when he when he chooses to. <laughs> <laughs> uh I it was so weird because I got into cryptocurrency, like I it was in my kind of like peripherals at the time, and then SegWit 2X happened, and I remember seeing the news of that and being like Oh, this is weird. And I remember trying to like make, so I don't, the timeline is so fuzzy to me because it's been, 
you know, quite a while. But I got into crypto around 2016. And the day that I got, it was April of 2016. And when I got in, I went head first and just like, you know, full force. And um, I remember seeing those kind of like the the talks of the backdoor deals and all that and then the weird i i thought that was weird i didn't want anything to do with a backdoor deal but then seeing the outcome of that i was like okay well this is better than you know if we were to split and then to know that there were backdoor deals on backdoor deals to fuck over those first backdoor deals really screwed me up and i was like i don't everything should be publicly in the open that's the whole point of the blockchain right like why aren't these deals happening on the blockchain but i do 100 percent think that had segwit2x gone through and those backdoor backdoor deals not been made then we wouldn't have splits bitcoin cash wouldn't exist bitcoin sv wouldn't exist uh bitcoin gold wouldn't exist all of these there's like like half a dozen at least forks uh that just wouldn't exist at all um and it's weird to think like there's so many B cashers that don't accept SegWit at all now. But I think if those deals went through, it would have just been like, if you don't want to use it, don't use it. Right. Well, that that's it's it's kind of yeah, I would say pretty nuanced because you when you you have to think about the history in terms of the contention at the time. So basically because there was the one uh the Bitcoin uh one megabyte uh blocks, you know, as it was, right? And then there was the camp that wanted to upgrade the size who were the majority, but they rapidly became the minority because they were so heavily suppressed with everybody getting banned out of their things. Yeah, as far so as then, like minor sensing was going, it was like 75% for bigger blocks. That's right. So the original sentiment was towards bigger blocks, but then there was all this social media manipulation and also control of the Bitcoin core repository. They kicked out Gavin Andreessen and Jeff Garzik and Mike Hearn, you know, had a lot of problems and blah, blah, blah. And so then what happened was uh, basically the side that wanted to keep things the way they were, you know, Adam Back and Peter Todd and Blockstream and, you know, MasterCard, the banks, right? They wanted to keep everything the way they are. And so if you're in that camp and you prefer the status quo, actually the best strategy is to create as much confusion and chaos as possible because in a a chaos, the default will be the status quo that everybody stays on, right? So that's what happens. So if you ask, like at the time when they were creating a Segwit2x, I don't know whether that was well-intentioned or not, but there was certainly an element that in history, especially, you can look back at it and say, well, that was basically an attack because originally the big blockers said, why don't we go to 20 megabyte blocks? And the small blockers said, no, that's too big. That's not going to work. So then they said eight megabyte blocks. And that was also too big. And then what if it's two, four, eight and we scale it up? That was also too big. And then what right. if it's two megabyte? That that was not okay. So what about two megabyte? And so the reason that Bitcoin Cash forked away was because every possible attempt had been at compromise had been made from the side of the, in my mind, the well-intentioned big blockers. And every time the goalposts had been shifted back to, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. And Segwit2x was the last one. But the thing was, that wasn't a solution that anybody wanted. The small blockers wanted one megabyte and they wanted Segwit and Lightning Network was going to save the day. And the big blockers were like, you guys are living in a parallel universe. This is never going to work. We've got to obviously raise the block size and we can figure out this other stuff later. So at the end, it was inevitable that Segwit2x was going to die because it's like the, you know, the best of everything is the worst for everyone like nobody right <laughs> yeah and I... it was when yeah hang on just let me finish with yeah. one last point is that i believe i i'm going off memory here but i believe that amori who was part of the 
team that split off Bitcoin Cash, he said that the reason he got everyone together and uh, started the fork in the first place was the second he saw the announcement about Segwit2x, he knew these guys are going to fold and we need to have like the real Bitcoin. We still need it. And that, so that was what, so Pete, there's this narrative that, oh, the Bitcoin Cash is forked off as an attack on Bitcoin. No, it was the absolute last resort. If there would have been anything that could have been done except for that, it would have been done, but it was the nuclear option. So Yeah, and, and to tag onto that, Jeremy, the whole reason why I wanted to speak up was, well, I mean, you nailed it. Like the announcement was what made Armory go, uh, we need to fork this because he didn't believe for a second that it would go through. And so here's the thing. There were a bunch of who are now BCH people who saw what Armory, uh, Amory was doing and was like, nah, we don't need that. And then, oh, well, we don't have another uh, another option. Exactly. If it hadn't gone through, you know, that was just a... a... A, like in history that is just such a moment that it just saved the day and the irony is that you now have we've got it in the new intro for this year eric wall last year saying uh maybe the you know maybe the big blockers were right like were we the bad guys the irony is that everybody who was on the bdc side who was actually a good actor or over time comes to the understanding that wait a second these bitcoin caches that we vilified they saved bitcoin from us <laughs> if we if mm-hmm. if if it had just been the way we'd wanted it and it hasn't really worked out you know lightning network's still a bit messy it's not taking over the world now you have michael saylor fucking leveraging up his company you don't have retail <laughs> adoption you don't have all this stuff at some point it has to click in their mind like we, we were the bad guys and so you know but then of course you get into uh people's ego and pride right at the moment you have john carvalho coming out with all these tweets because he's now getting screwed what everybody told him seven years ago eight years ago was that uh opt-in rbf was going to screw up the usability of the chain but no no it's opt-in small blocks blah blah blah. and now he is tweeting out the same exact things that people tweeted at him eight years ago he just didn't see it happening you know far enough in advance right and that's but like then, a super that's like a super nuanced yeah. uh blockchain thing when you try to say like what is i mean very experienced people i didn't really know what replaced yeah. the i didn't really i didn't do whatever and so yes. like you guys are zero comp right and litecoin is does not have replaced by fee and i kind of like that you know i i like that there's a differentiator because i think that's a really i actually almost tweeted that today that i think that that will be an exploit um people will take advantage of on Bitcoin. If it's truly going to end up being like a hundred percent of transactions are able to be replaced by fee, then I think that's uh, people are going to unknowingly accept those transactions. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to have any understanding of, they're going to feel like, well, Bitcoin's Bitcoin. Once it's in my wallet, it's good. And I think there'll be some exploits for sure. You think Binance is bad now? Wait until the whole blockchain is uh, replaced by fee default. You know, good luck if you're not a if you're not a whale. You are just can be locked out of the chain anytime. Right? <laughs> like you can just a denial of service attack on the mempool is possible trivially, right? And right. you have it. I was reading it last night. The the Bitcoin Dev mailing list post right now. There was some uh, business owners coming in there and saying. Guys, guys, we've just uh, found out about this uh, mempool replaced by fee stuff. Like, you got, you got to, you got to, you got to back up here. Like, we we got tons of money on the line. We're doing all these transactions. We're gonna have all these customers. We already have customers complaining. We're gonna have more. This is a disaster. Like, fuck sakes, please. Like, like it's a bit stop. recent, right? 
Didn't bit refills. Uh, bit bit refill. Well, that's yeah. yeah like uh, they're part of that Moon Wallet. There was another one called uh, GA GAX six hundred or some, something like that. You know, there's a few of these big companies behind the scenes uh, who are like, "Holy cow, we need to stop this!" But it's too late. Like the that was why we had to have the fork in 2017. Was the war had to be won at that initial point, and we lost the war, but we, you know, we kept the kept the grenade line you lost basically. the battle you lost the battle yeah we lost I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> not that's the war right. I, don't give up on the war that's right <laughs> yeah it was you know the war is still alive as soon as you know as long as there's one soldier you know with a live bullet or, you know who, who's on the other side right so uh, I kinda wanna I, do yeah i do feel like i want to moderate yeah, a debate between a btc and a bcher and then like because i can just sit on the outside and just lob shit over the wall at other people and watch watch like the mayhem unfold and just piss you guys off you know, yeah, yeah. like, well, what about Blockstream, right? Like, but, yes. you know, I, I do. I think it's Love an that. interesting, I mean, it seems crazy to say it. I do think the block limitation, because I asked Charlie about that. He came in and I was saying, I mean, the idea that Satoshi would have nailed it, right, on the first try. Like, if you look back, you say he probably more than anything, his goals were security, you know, get heavy block rewards up front so you get the chain secure um and more proof of concept you know and to think that 10 minutes one megabyte is the end all be all from now until the end of time i think is it'd be silly to think that he's sat there whether it was him or just a group of people and they just nailed it perfectly the first time so these different manifestations of bitcoin or the bitcoin protocol small b bitcoin are hopefully going to at some point we'll find out what is that right balance of security, decentralization, scalability, speed, cost. Um, because yeah, I just, I mean, I just think it's, it's, it is, it's silly to think that one person sat there and nailed it. You well, know that's I mean? a, it's part of the, it's part of the religion. That's the whole thing. And Bitcoin always has been kind of religious. And if you ask me, it always, it always will be, you know, you need something that is that fervent and that ideological to get it as far as it has got, you know, right, anything right. that didn't have so much passion and zeal behind it before the split, after the split would have never gotten to the extent that it has been. So there is always going to be an element that the purists are going to take it very, very seriously. But of course, Satoshi never intended for one megabyte blocks to be the limit. He posted to that effect and everybody knew that until the censorship and the, you know, rewriting of the narrative started. And also he didn't think that 10 megabytes or 10 uh, minutes was the perfect blessed amount. He just said, right. okay, this is a good enough trade-off between, you know, orphaning blocks and having slow confirmations, right? Yeah. And there's been, you know, now it's fairly unlikely to change. Even on Bitcoin Cash, some people have proposed that like, what if we did like Litecoin? What if we did blah, blah, blah. But there's a bunch of technical reasons. Uh, there's been research that has been done that it's actually easier to process like infrequent large blocks than it is to process, you know, lots of uh, smaller blocks, yeah. for technical reasons and so on. So there are reasons to keep it the way it is. And as long as you have secure zero conf, then, you know, does it, uh, confirmations are less of an issue because the only time it matters is if you're trading, you know, $10 million. And if you're doing a $10 million deal, you're going to be able to wait around for an hour or two. So yeah, use BTC, uh, I guess, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> That's maybe, amazing. You know? It'll all have yeah, its yeah. place. It'll all have its place, I guess. Uh, well, so do you yeah. think, like, uh, just to put your conspiracy theorist head on, do you think that this yeah. whole uh, contention was created or was it was intentional to create that the block size wars and to be so staunch about it 
Absolutely. That's like where, you know, what we were saying before about what if you were, and this was what a thought exercise that I myself did, you know, when I first found out about Bitcoin 2013, I spent about two or three days after I'd read it, understood the idea. I thought, what, what can stop this? What, what will stop this? And I thought very, very hard. And the only answer I found was uh, that there was nothing. But the only reason was because if there was some way to control it or take it over, people would, it was open source. People could fork it and create a variant which ironically being exactly what ended up happening. But if you ask, you know, me, like you can see there was the control of the narrative and the clamping down of uh, Thamos banning everyone. Like I've had uh, Marcelo on this show a very long time OG, right? And he knew Thamos, like he wasn't his best mate and nobody's ever met Thamos in person very suspiciously. Uh, but he messaged him and stuff. He was like, he was a real great guy. Everything was great. And then just suddenly one day, sudden personality change and mm. uh, he, you know, enforced all this censorship, right? So there was that element to it. Then there was the Segwit2x stuff was maybe just a question of incompetence, but maybe there was some, you know, efforts to stoke that up. Then you had the the split, obviously. And then even in Bitcoin Cash, why did it, why did Bitcoin Cash remain contentious? Why was BTC, they were all on the same page and that was it. And since then there's been nothing. No, Bitcoin Cash was the one that had the BSV split and then the eCash split. Why? Because there's still, there was still attempts to meddle with it. There were still attempts to take it off the rails. If you're going to yeah. attack Bitcoin, of course you seed both the small block and the big block camp, which was why you had, you know, Craig Wright and different people, you know, bad actors in there in the Bitcoin Cash side. So this show was started in January of 2021 after the November 2020 split where eCash left. And the reason why I started it then is because I became convinced that finally enough, it had happened enough times that the community was resilient. There is no stopping it. Like now there is no stopping Bitcoin Cash, if you ask me, because it's just been through so many trials and it's just passed them all. It's proven that... Um, you know, the community, the good actors in the community can consistently find each other. And that's what's been happening over over time, right? Is the good actors slowly reconverging onto what is the real Bitcoin? And if you ask me, that's Bitcoin Cash, obviously, right? And I think that process is going to start happening at a biggest, like we've, like we've talked about with Eric Wall, for instance, Nick Carter, Bitcoin maximalism on the decline, more and more people like yourself or like we had that chat with Esteban, with Joel, like you can see someone like him, He's not very far off from thinking, you know what, maybe Bitcoin Cash is right, or even Litecoin, right? He's he's kind of says, oh, okay, I like Bitcoin. Bitcoin's, you know, the great one. But he doesn't have like a deep-seated objection or hatred to the other things. It just hasn't sprung on him on the right, you know, mood that this yeah, is you use him. get into. All it takes yeah, is that's right. using. And that's why, like, you know, anytime you put these things side by side, no uh, free market actor is going to pay a hundred times as much, 300 times as yes. much to move some money around. It's just, it's, it's not, that part's not rocket science, right? Well, okay. Well, I got a question for you for you because you said if you're interested yes. in going two and a half minutes, that's a possibility. Would you yes. guys change the mining algorithm? That's my big concern well, with Bcash, to be honest with you. Yes. Well, this is a fascinating uh, one, you know, actually, because like I said, two and a half minutes, I don't think it's likely to happen. But the key point basically is that the Bitcoin Cash community, you know, they were the ones without the censorship, are still uh, scientific and they're still uh, adaptable. You know, they're not they're not going to fuck with like the 21 million 
limit in a hurry or anything but right. the, the seed is there it's not just i mean the bdc community have this weird narrative of like we never change anything of course they do change things they change taproot they change segwit they, uh ctv has been yeah. proposed you know they do mempools the full rbf that's now a change right they do change stuff but somehow some things are the blessed changes which are allowed and some aren't but anyway bitcoin cash community <laughs> will consider alternatives are we going to change the mining algorithm probably not obviously it could be considered or discussed but I wouldn't really support it, at least not at this stage. And the reason is, like you, I mean, I I would be interested to hear what your problem is with the with being the minority um, hash rate. It's not ideal, and I definitely agree it would be better if we had the majority of the hash rate. But I don't mind being a minority chain, and the reason is that Bitcoin Cash has firstly implemented a bunch of stuff to survive being a minority chain we changed the difficulty uh adjustment algorithm so it's per block instead of per um oh, okay you know 2016 uh block so it's actually quite a bit more resilient they did a ton of research into all that uh to build that up and obviously um you know we've got uh, zero confirmation escrows and other things that are being built up to handle uh any kind of uh mining attacks but the miners have proven over history that they will protect BCH. They protected it in the split with BSV, which was called, I don't know if you know all this history, but it was the, it was called the hash war. Like, uh, what's the name? Calvin Air and Craig was said, you can watch the live stream of it. It's amazing. Uh, we're like, okay. we're going to, you know, get all these mining gear and we're going to prove that because the BSV people, they think that miners rule like over everything basically, right? right. So they were like, we're going to prove it. We're going to take over with the miners. They completely failed. Uh, but you know that's a fascinating little insight into into history and then the bitcoin uh, btc miners so there's been billions of dollars of investment now into mining right and bitcoin mm-hmm. cash has benefited from all of that like all the if if bitcoin cash grows it just sucks hash rate directly out of btc so in a way all the people that have been paying high fees on btc this whole time are funding mining infrastructure for bch it's like our version of the merge mining that you were talking about with dogecoin so i actually think that the the being the minority hash rate on sha256 is is amazing i definitely don't want to uh, change that although i do want us to get back to majority hash rate but how do we do that we just get more adoption which slowly builds up the price which attracts the miners it's as it's as simple as that so we do have to earn it but if we earn it back can you imagine if we earn back more and more of that i've, I've often like, said like one of the blind spots i think bitcoin because what people look at bitcoiners they look at bitcoin cash and it's like this to them it's just this dead coin just like litecoin's dead in their opinion when yeah. obviously it's not there's these thriving communities and i've always thought you know, if there was just a just a speculative run on Bitcoin Cash for whatever exactly. reason, if just markets decide there's some big whale wants to come in and start buying up and, and run the price up. These miners are going to have a tough decision to not move to a more profitable chain to mine. And and then that could be your momentum shift, right? All of a sudden, oh, now it's 5%, 10%. Like, why is this happening? Um, and then then you're off to the races, right? Which I, I was there. I remember the day. What was like November of seventeen when? Yes, there was that massive hash because I was I was holding Bitcoin. I wasn't deep into this story. I'd only been at it for like a year, right? So I remember sitting there like maybe I picked wrong. <laughs> Bcash, whatever, ran to four thousand bucks or something, and it was like point three Bitcoin or something. That was, I mean, that was like holy shit. That was a wild day. Yeah, that's right. That was the so spark that's why... that sh- shot everything to the moon in the next four weeks. Whatever happened there, yeah. 
exactly and so that's where you know i i don't feel like like right now we said at the start of the show right it's 171 to 1 and the price started at i don't know whatever it was like 3 or 4 to 1 when the when the fork originally launched and at the lowest it's been just under 200 to 1 right we followed it on the show every week so it's like it was about 200 and uh five to one i think at the lowest maybe something like that and so it's cre- it's crept up a little bit but basically just that's that's all we need all the bitcoin cash community needs is the slightest little chink in the armor and it will go fucking crazy that's obviously you know my my belief that i'm talking my own book here but right. you know as exactly as you're saying if we've already seen a collapse of bdc maximalism like less and less people believe in that the market is too diversified and the truth has come out that big blocks are not going to end the world like was sort of said at the start and uh unlike you know litecoin or unlike any other coin that was going to like ethereum to come at bitcoin they have to do it kind of the the hard way right they have to do it step by step and prove that they're a better thing bitcoin cash does actually it has it has to do it the harder way to start but it gets easier ethereum it gets harder and harder for them to flip bitcoin as people are really like is this really better than bitcoin you know but with bitcoin cash if the ratio starts sliding away you think about it there's 21 million bitcoin and 21 million bitcoin cash but most of the bitcoin cash is already held by bitcoin cash people who are not going to sell it right so maybe there's 1 million floating free coins or something available at any price maybe as the as the prices start to rise every single person on bitcoin needs to really think would we survive as the minority chain like the bitcoin cash community has proven that they can the big the bdc community never have and in my contention they never will if there's a flippening everybody would just use bitcoin cash why would you need bitcoin if you could use bitcoin cash which is the same but a lot better but also cheaper but faster right. like and it had the hash rate the hash rate is the one thing keeping them the hash rate in the brand right but those they those things are being chipped away at and it only yeah, one needs thing a little I, bit I, of a run like you i've found interesting that i haven't I, I, again there's things i'd probably should do a little more reading on, but like the whole idea of the whole 51% attack, right? That was like yes. the big scary monster for years. And it's happened to a number of chains. It hasn't invalidated the chains, hasn't shut anything down. And the more you learn about it, the more you realize there's really not a lot of incentive for anybody to do it. If they even did it, it's not going to last very long. They're not going to make all that much money. You know, so where's the investment, right? Um, and or where's the return on investment for them to do that? So I, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I think an option would be, and you guys would probably hate the idea is to be like merge mine, like Dogecoin is with Litecoin. I think there's Maybe. too much contention to do that. And I do wonder if, if that had happened or if when you guys switched initially, if you went to a different mining algorithm that day or that year, then it might've been more feasible, but now you're pretty rooted in where you're at. And, uh, yeah, if it hasn't happened yet, because as much as the BTC crowd, however much venture capital got poured into those machines, they've had ample opportunity to come at B- Bcash for sure, right? Yeah, and they they, they haven't killed us. That's what that's what I'm they saying. They have the it's resources. Like the, the zombies, like <laughs> the, you sure. know, it's like the immortal, immortal, uh, immortal coin. That's my favorite thing about it. All right, we got to move on because yeah, we're uh, into the last uh, half hour basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe sorry, we've got man. a bit over time, but uh, I, no, no, I this you, has I like been great. This is, 
no, this is fantastic uh, stuff. This is very high quality. For anybody new to Bitcoin Cash in 2023, that was a big, big hit of the the history and uh, everything like that. But there's obviously you can watch more of the podcast or go on BitcoinCashPodcast.com and there's tons and tons of information and links. There's all this history. Like you can dig into it as deep as you want to. But one thing I wanted to talk about was 2023 as being the year of like CBDC. So we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Is mm-hmm is you know are cbdc's coming soon how bad are they going to be is it going to start out as a you know like a mismanaged government project or is it going to come out and suddenly be really slick and integrated with all the banks we had uh Calisti on the end of your show he was saying maybe 50 percent chance you see cbdc's rolling out this year as opposed to next year or, or the year after and i've got a tweet here from Hotep Jesus, who said, this week, the Boston Federal Reserve announced that it had concluded Project Hamilton, a central bank digital currency, CBDC research project with MIT. It will share further results of the technical feasibility work in the coming months. So is this on the horizon? What's your what's your feel for CBDCs? 2023, is that going to be the year? Uh, I don't know the year. I mean, I think they're, they're, an, they're an inevitability. You know, a lot of what I think uh, has happened ever since, you know, Jekyll Island, right? They've lost. They've continuously lost control of the money system, and they have to come up with new and creative ways to make you believe they still have some sort of hold of what's going on. So, if it's um, you know, obviously going off the taking people's gold, and that's going off the gold standard, and um, all the the absolute top is off as far as how much we borrow and and create. Um, I think that, yeah, giving out money and making it programmable in some way is probably the next step. So they're going to do it through digital currencies. I think you could even say, I mean, could you even say today, like food stamps are a form of a CBDC, right? They're programmable. You can only buy certain things with them. Um, so it's not a true expansion of the money supply. It's not truly money. They're giving you programmable money. I He's think about the chime in. Yeah, I think the one distinct difference <laughs> here is that there was kind of a black market for food stamps, right? People would trade them. Oh, there for, is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And in the case of CBDCs, as soon as they realize you're operating outside of their sanctioned, like, this is okay, you can use these food stamps, these CBDCs this way, then you're going to be cut off. There will, no, there will not be a black market for CBDCs. Mm. Well, that's where UBI comes into it, right? You know, and I am still don't have the best thoughts on all that, but that's another reason if you are... If the CBDC is directly like dishing out everyone's payments, then you have some kind of an economic, you know, incentive onto people to firstly to join up, and then secondly, also to you know play by the rules. Because if they're being a bit squirrely, they're getting a bit too into cryptocurrencies or something, then maybe boom, you just get get cut off. So that's why it's important that we have a kind of a parallel economy going. You know, in that, yeah, in I think, that regard, yeah, there's also something different about. Um, that I've heard about with CBDCs and how they're very detrimental to uh, local banks, right? Because then you'd you'd borrow directly. You could just like you. There need be no need for these local banks to exist. Um, man, I had somebody. I had somebody who was in the banking that told me this, and I'm forgetting what he was saying. But essentially, that you know, why would you need to borrow through this bank if you could just borrow directly from the Fed, right? Yeah, well, that's right, and that's that's part of the part of the beauty of it you know maybe it's an irony of 
<laughs> history that crypto started out as this unified front and then split into a bunch of different things. And the banks have kind of become this uh, monstrosity of different uh, banks everywhere. And now they're going to try and unify down into one. But the the problem is splitting up is in some ways easier than uh, reforming back together, right? Because if you right. can't reform, all the historical little differences and stuff have to get figured out because things can only work one way. So there's going to be a lot of people getting cheesed off who are in the banking system and benefiting from this or that as the cbdc's come out well maybe they're suddenly going to be defecting out of the whole uh bank system as well too right so it could be could be interesting this uh, internal collapse from the inside right yeah kind of an overall theme of all this stuff is like creating central choke points you know that whether it's your consumption of social media or just the media in general the fewer people that control them the easier it is that the fewer funnels you have to go through the easier it is for people to control you whether it's corporations or governments and that's that's a little bit what ties into what i talked about earlier with the lightning network right like if you have these little fewer places they have to actually monitor uh yes. like you have your checkpoint charlie you gotta Central go through, hubs. right yeah, yeah and i think that's the same thing they're gonna have like yeah they have one database with everybody's spending and money i mean that's gonna be unbelievable that's like that's pretty it's already, it's already happened in china they they've already got it going on there you know you can already just get locked out of society by Oh, we just switch off your uh, your little digital passport. That's right. it. Good luck uh, fleeing the country when you can't use uh, public transport or you can't get anything like that. Good luck uh, p- paying food, buying necessities. Like you're just screwed. This is this dystopian future that yeah. the crypto community is sort of up in arms about. And the interesting thing is, I'm very wary or very aware. I guess is probably the word of. You don't want to sound too alarmist when you tr- tr- talk to people about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I I don't I don't really have pushback that I've seen from talking to people about this kind of thing where they say, "Oh, that's never going to happen," or "That's crazy." No, people understand that this is a real potential problem. They can see. Oh, of course, the government would love to have a central currency. Of course, the government would love to track everything. Of course, that's probably not the best idea in terms of even people who are very compliant or in, interested in you know governments or you know stable rule of law like somewhere like Australia, right? Even there, people still are like, yeah, but I don't know if we want to, we want to we want to do right. it that way. Certainly not a majority of people. So, but I guarantee I think- the day comes and they say, hey, go. If you turn in a hundred dollars cash, you get one hundred and twenty in central back digital currencies. Yes, everyone will run down to the bank. <laughs> Just like ninety-five percent like of people will do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we got to be pretty. Uh, I mean, the the it will be one of those things, right? You don't you don't know what you've got till till it's gone, right? A, yeah, a lot of people yeah. will do that, and then the that will be great until six months later or a year later or whatever it's like oh we're going to start just deleting people's money or we've changed we've tweaked the algorithm and now it's uh gonna vanish out of your bank account unless you spend it within three weeks or something people will be like holy crap and that's why you know sometimes you have to learn uh like yeah experience teaches harshly but it teaches best right so the key is we just need to keep kind of the flame alive of crypto growing and and being a competitor so that uh, when people want to opt out, whatever it takes to get them that incentive that they that they do, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and control of the money supply is, and the currency is the biggest form of coercion the government uses, like in this massive scale. Because you almost, it's so yes. everywhere, you almost don't even, you can't not see it. Right? You stop seeing it because it's everywhere, right? And so uh, I think that's 
one of the things that's happened with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, but just that idea that there's a competitor out there, I think is, um, it gives you some hope because without it, like really all these tools you're talking about, we'd be all have, talking about, I guess, yeah, holding silver coins and hoarding your cash, right? Because, because cash will have more value than CBDCs. But that's never going to fly. That's the interesting thing to me is all these silver and gold people, especially, I mean, we talked about it on the show a bunch, but like Peter Schiff is the classic example. He's slowly yeah. coming around, but just the idea that he has spent like decades of his life, literally like almost, you know, his <laughs> entire life. At, I don't know how old is he now. It must be in his like sixties, right? Yeah, he looks uh, like, yeah. And he's, you know, uh, he, he has spent all this time, years, decades, banging on the drum of guys, we need an alternative economy. Guys, we should all use gold. Guys, we need to get out of the US dollar. And he doesn't get it with crypto. He's like, gold has been around for centuries. If everybody was going to go back to trading gold, they would have done it already, right? You know, gold right. already lost. Fiat is better. Okay, gold is harder money and yada, yada, yada. But there's a convenience factor. There's the ability to make it electronic. There's the, obviously the government incentive to push it enough things have got fiat over the line gold is not coming back you there is no gold well maybe there is but crypto meetups are already much bigger than gold meetups. Right. Where well i was saying without crypto gold trade, would right? be we might be a little exactly. more excited but no but, but yeah, you wouldn't be able to win with that yeah right. you, exactly you've already got a better alternative and it's working it's it's demonstrating that it's working so i don't know why all these gold bugs are sitting around thinking no everyone's going to get onto gold it's like look around mate you know the parallel economy that they want crypto already has and yet yeah. they just can't see the forest for the trees there i don't know why it's because because you can make jewelry out of gold <laughs> no i live my dad my my dad's actually a rare has a rare coin company so he's i've been surrounded by it i never worked there or anything but um that's one of those arguments that cracks me up. Like, well, you can do things with it. Well, okay. There's an industrial value of gold. And then there's a, there's a speculative value of gold. The industrial value is like nothing compared to how much is if people tomorrow decided it has no speculative value and started dumping gold. It would plummet, right? There's yes. a ton of it available for its actual use in industry. Bitcoin Jason in the find. chat says, I can't buy a loaf of bread with gold, but he just brought a loaf of bread in BCH. BCH XMR brought a, a burrito in BCH. I had burritos yesterday too, actually. Didn't pay in BCH, so I wish wish I did, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason why the like hard money, gold, silver people don't deal with cryptocurrencies is a skepticism or a paranoia towards all technology, or at least all digital technology. And so, like... You know, my pool, my sample size here is incredibly small, but the people that I know that are interested in gold are like, oh, I don't trust computers. And they don't even differentiate between types of computers. They're just like, <laughs> these kiosks should stop speaking. You plug it language. in, it's the devil. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's a little bit of that and it's just a cultural thing. But I also think that those are mostly an older generation that won't be around to see the real fruition of cryptocurrency. So it won't, won't have that much of a negative impact. Well, you can't, you can't be a gold a guy who uh, shills gold and uh, talk about Bitcoin because it'll prove out how much better <laughs> it is. Do you know what I mean? Like that, I really think yes. that's the reason I, again, I have these thoughts all the time, but like I said with, you know, Bitcoiners attacking Litecoin to me is hilarious because it's like, 
you're coming at me because right. you know you have to denigrate me because if people actually look into it they're going to go oh wait well it has all the same properties as bitcoin it's decentralized it's mined you know it's faster block it's the same same system like there's no really no difference in them except for the amount of coins and the script language you know and the speed and the cost so i mean it, it's just uh i think it's just trying to preserve their business in a way right Yes. You got to create the cult. I mean, look at, we, right. we've watched a cult form in the last four or five years. On of, course, BTC. of course. Yeah. The laser, the laser. Eye. And that was, that was what I was kind of, yeah, hinting at earlier. I thought it was super interesting when, uh, when we were on that digital cash uh, rundown. And I mean, I, it was good to have representatives from everything, but it was kind of interesting to see, like, even though Esteban was sort of repping the BDC side, but he, he wasn't the biggest sort of laser eyes type of guy, but even still, it's just very easy for everybody else to sort of team up and be like, well, let's just be real about it. Bitcoin's a tool. Bitcoin Cash is a tool. Litecoin's a tool. Dash is a tool. They're all just tools. Like, why would you be trying to exclude other things or something? And in the face of a diverse set of opinions like that, it's very hard to kind of be be all laser eyed about it. Uh, that only that's that's not a it's not an anti-fragile strategy, right? An in-group can only right. get to a certain size before the rest of reality <laughs> kind of impinges at the edge and then it slowly collapses. And that's what we've seen. People have all taken off their laser eyes on Twitter, like slowly. There was some guy posted this amazing post where he said he had a list of like, he'd followed all these top accounts and he made a huge list of them as to who had laser eyes. And then he posted it up and he had like, you know, 80% of them checked off. It's like they've capitulated. <laughs> it was so it was so right. funny to see, right? That that will just, it will become like in 2023 or in 2024, it will become the joke will swing back around. It'd be, oh, remember when there was these crazy laser eye people? And of course, all the people who were laser eyes will be quietly like, no, that wasn't me. Like, you know, right. <laughs> that, you know these these narratives come <clears throat> and go. They, they sort of fall by the wayside. So on this topic, actually, I wanted to talk about the Masari 2023 crypto thesis. So I haven't read all of this and I don't know if you know uh, what this is about, but there's this guy, Ryan Selkis, who's a long time uh, Bitcoin OG. And he does this, he has this sort of trading fund kind of thing called Masari Capital. They do research into crypto. I've heard of him. Yeah. 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 I, I'm personally actually not that big of a fan of him, but the, that's a that's a different uh, story. So he, but he puts out this, you know, 150 or 200 page report at the end of every, I think he's done five or six of them now. And this is serious stuff, like 200 pages, you know, from deep in the industry too. This is not just like some idiot, you know, spouting off. There's somebody who knows what's going on. So it's always worth checking out what he has to say. And last year uh, I reported on this on, I think the Christmas show, uh, but he he basically put in one mention of, of Bitcoin Cash in the whole 200 pages, right? And then right. this year, there's no mention of Bitcoin Cash and there's only one mention of uh, Litecoin. So I'm going to read it out here. It's under section 5.5, memes and ripples. Out of the top 25 crypto assets by market cap, the top three performers in Q4 have been Dogecoin, Litecoin, and Ripples XRP. <laughs> if you had told me when I started writing around 200 hours ago, I would have done a tweet thread instead and called it a day so he's got kind of a bit of just dismissing litecoin out of hand he's a little salty this is it, huh? but that's right it's crazy what it what is going on that this is you know this industry heavyweight or whatever he is on a completely different planet to you and i <laughs> let's yeah let's be real. he doesn't know about peer-to-peer -peer commerce or anything he's written 200 pages about bitcoin of course gets a lot of uh, mentions <laughs> and tons of it about DeFi and 
blah 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 like all these different ethereum and cardano and all these like speculative products and stuff like that but he's not reporting at all on peer-to-peer cash you know the whole point of bitcoin as it started it's just gone off in this completely different direction so my theory is uh one that joel has brought up a bunch of times too is that we're going to see a bit of a reversion to the mean because the average punter doesn't really care about all this uh nonsense at a certain point they they just see people trading and they get the idea okay for goods and services you know that's going to come back into vogue but that's my speculation what what do you think of this is there a divergence happening in the industry between the speculation and sort of nonsense in the actual peer-to-peer well right parts. right now in a bear market yeah right i mean the i think you have more of a floor <clears throat> for the coins that get used regularly right because they've been being bought and sold consistently over the course of the last few years which has kept them from rising as high as the other ones um and i think we'll keep them from sinking as low as the other ones so most of these like ones that blow up there's some sort of instrument in place that prevents you from selling or incentivizes you not to sell. So it's yield or there's like a, some sort of airdrop they're going to do, right? Or it's just a real big pain in the ass to actually turn it into anything besides it's locked into some sort of ecosystem. If I'm going to go buy an NFT or if I'm going to do this or that, I have to hold this asset. And I, it doesn't, it's not easy for me to go and just use it or get rid of it or sell it, Right. So it just messes with the kind of liquidity of that of that market, but I will tell you something fun to do with uh, Bitcoiners since we're we're all on the same side of this whole thing. And that's <laughs> the f- best thing is when they say, "Well, everything trends to zero. Everything trends to zero. Say, do you know that Dogecoin has outperformed Bitcoin from day one? Dogecoin yes. is the <laughs> highest performing crypto asset since its inception. Is that unbelievable or what?" <laughs> No, I love I love those things because that's one of. <laughs> the, I'm not even holding know, Dogecoin. I keep talking about it. Somebody gave me shit the other day. Like, when are you going to stop talking about Dogecoin? I'm like, I don't know. I like so it. Maybe I'll talk about it more. You know? Yeah, you. yeah. Just, he's an Australian. You know? He's an Australian dude. Uh, <laughs> no, most most Australians like Dogecoin. Oh well, I don't know. I can't speak for all Australians, but, but anyway. the fun. That's the funniest thing about the whole Bitcoin community, and they it's all crumbling apart. Right, the whole narrative is. That's what they pay. Somebody posts about Bitcoin Cash and then they post that price chart of the BTC to BCH like ratio, like going down and they're like, haha, you're wrecked. And you're like, is if that is your only argument, you are finished because the price is is temporary. If you can't argue on the fundamentals, the technology, the adoption, the history, the you know, adherence to the white paper or to the, you know, how how exciting it is, the future prospects, the community growth. If all of that you can't like your last resort is just the price has gone down. As soon as somebody goes to price, you know that they they're out of arguments basically, and that's I think what you're you're finding. That's why if you can flip that back on them, it's like you're already blown out of the water. See you later. Yeah, the other thing I'm tr- I'm trying to tune into, and I gotta again, these are just Twitter wars, but to us they matter. Is like you know you'll say, well, Litecoin does everything Bitcoin does, and they'll be like, well, with Lightning Network, Litecoin is pointless. And I want now I'm going to start going. Well, are we talking about Bitcoin versus Litecoin, or are we talking about Litecoin versus the Lightning Network? Because if you want to talk about that, well, then where's your censorship resistance, right? Where's your where's your ability to hold your coins privately, right? So they they move that goalpost, and that's really a crafty. It's their crafty. <laughs> well practiced. At that point yeah. too, couldn't you do Lightning versus Lightning if you've got Lightning Network on Litecoin? Oh, uh, yeah, but the uh, but there's no. Wearing? 
See, then it's, well, there's no coins in the Litecoin Lightning Network yet. Well, like, of course, because it costs less. I literally sent, like I said, I sold some for a tax loss and 80 Litecoin cost me like less than a tenth of a penny to send it, right? For like 5,000 bucks. It's crazy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's just well, that's right. And these, but these things, they just, they just, it's like grains of grains of sand, or like a waves on the mountain. They're just slowly eroding away all these little. When you argue with these laser-eyed people, which I get dragged into every once in a while, I try not to be uh, too much, but it just, uh, it happens over time. That what I'm usually not arguing with that person. I'm arguing because I know there's going to be. 50 or 100 people that read that thread and they can see their way through the through the bullshit if you can just point out here you're wrong here you're wrong here you're wrong slowly the truth emerges takes a long time but reality does win in the end so that's uh, an element of people actually trying these coins really you know gives them some perspective i guess but you asked about like is this shift of a narrative or like is there a flip i do think the whole foundation, I mentioned this in the other day, is that if your whole foundation is built upon price appreciation and that falls apart, that's when they that's when Bitcoin will have problems. Like we've seen this year is the first time they've had like what two negative years in a row or something, maybe. Is that right? So maybe that, the first it's been the first time they've been below the previous peak because that was the narrative. Oh, we've always got like a rising floor yeah. peak to peak to peak, but of course that's now fallen apart. Yeah, so if those, if those start to fall apart and people lose faith that that's going to happen, I think that's that would be a potential turning point on the BTC thing where people will start to step back and go, okay, these people have been telling me a whole pile of bullshit for the last three or four years. Let me maybe open my mind to some of these other people that are, have been trying to have that argument. And, you know, the reality is, you know, we talk about the ratio all the time, Um you know, Litecoin, we want to be a quarter of a Bitcoin at some point in time. So I do think that might be more likely to happen with not necessarily Litecoin soaring to $4,000 right now, but with Bitcoin coming backwards as Litecoin continues to build this foundation and be used like you're, you know, like you've been saying. Yeah, no, super, super important. All right, we got to come into the into the home stretch last bit of the podcast. I want to hear some of these of the chat. Week. Do we have any chat questions? Oh, or? do we have any chat questions? Okay. Yeah. All right. If anybody has, we've got itstream0912 said thoughts on yogurt. What do you think about yogurt? Yogurt? Oh, my yeah. kids like it. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> anybody if you have a question, now is your chance to get in there with uh sorry, I'm just having a bit of a look. There's been there's a bit of discussion about Hanlon's razor. Uh, which is the you know don't attribute to malice what can be attributed to incompetence okay. um i don't know let's see here is anybody going to get in there with a question no no questions from the, from the right. chat at this 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 moment but we'll we'll see so you're in, are you in Next, new zealand you said or australia i'm in australia i'm australia, australia. Right now, yeah where's jet uh, I'm uh in canada, canada. i'm on the oh, east coast geez. you guys are all under the reign of the oh who, how do you like your new king <laughs> <laughs> i visited london for a day with jeremy and i was like i don't understand and i don't know a single canadian that gives a goddamn about the monarchy at this point like we Is just have money as, like no but uh there has been some serious talks about printing new bills with him on our money which is That's a waste hilarious. of money, but <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't understand that whole thing at all, but 
Well, it's the that. it's the same as crypto, you know. You just had the UK, and then you had you know hard forked off to America, and then you had soft forked off to you know Canada and Australia. So we're still kind of under the auspices, you well, know. Canada but, wasn't uh, even really like. Actually, it's interesting to think of it as a fork. But like, keep in mind, Canada started because some pretty British guys came over here, started a fur trade company, and then once it got too big and the natives were out of control, the Queen was like, "Uh, we can't just have a company." over here this is a country now (laughs) and then they just traded the company land off to some other british people and that formed canada that's funny we had if you want to look at my podcast we had a funny episode it was called fork the amish and we talked about (laughs) hard forking the amish like whatever agreement they have with the government and i actually don't think they have the exceptions we thought they did at the time but whatever they've declared themselves to be just create that same entity like literally take the language hard fork it and create your own community to get out of the purview of the government <laughs> so fork the amish the breakaways they're, they're showing it how it's done a nice resilient community bitcoin jason says what happened to lee i assume he means charlie lee charlie what's lee? the latest on charlie lee where is it where hey is he was at the litecoin summit let me let me get this out of the way because this makes me insane about the whole Charlie. Thing. Okay, so Charlie sold his coins, right? We all know that, right? His idea was like, I don't want to be uh, incentivized to just pump the price up. I want to get out of that. Since that day, he has. We have the Litecoin Foundation, which he is the director of. Um, I don't think he's super involved in a day to day. It's a nonprofit. They raise money from the community to do development adoption things. And he has matched every donation for five years. And he's helped develop this Mimblewimble protocol for the last two or three with David Burkett, kind of overseeing it. And so, I mean, to me, the guy has done nothing but try to promote adoption of cryptocurrency since he's gotten into it. And he just gets shit on constantly. It's like it really, like Bitcoiners, the fact he put up that bounty and helped SegWit happen and did a transaction on Lightning Network and has been so pro Bitcoin from day one. He should be like on their Mount Rushmore, and they they act like he's some sort of con artist. Like he the original coin scammer. he had, he was he the mined, first one. To- <laughs> he mined all his own coins. He mined competitively, unlike another creator that we shall not be renamed. And yeah. he still works on his own coin, unlike another creator who abandoned his coin a couple years after it launched. So I think I just think it's such a crazy thing to take him. He's so mild mannered, modest, and he was buying Bitcoin at two dollars. He was in on the pre mine or the pre sale for Ethereum. The guy was not hard up for money in any way, shape, or form. He just wanted to say, "Look, I don't want a vested interest in it anymore." And I'm glad he did. I'm Charlie had a half a million coins or something. I, mean, I don't think I think he only said he had like eighty thousand or something. So it was still a lot of money, but. Um, yeah, you. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. If he has what the founder stash, about. everyone goes, "Well, when's he going to sell it?" You know, now he doesn't. Yeah. Apparently, if he doesn't, he, oh, he's not invested. Yeah, yeah, like yeah exactly. It has he's no impact on the chain difference. whatsoever. You know. Yeah. Well, what I want to know is what about his bet? He made this classic bet with Roger Veer where they sat down, and there's a video of it. Of I don't. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where I remember them Roger arguing. To him, Roger like, was like, "Oh, it'd be very good." Lightning for you Network, it, Charlie. <laughs> he was like, "Lightning Network is not going to like pop off." So they made some agreement, which was like, in four years, would Lightning Network have more than a thousand physical retailers? Uh, you know, accepting it or something. And the bet, oh. it, the, I think the bet was if whoever lost had to wear a, like a shirt 
chosen by the other one so obviously roger would choose like you know bch was right or something and charlie would choose like light coins the best or like whatever you know right, whatever right, it was right. that was that was the bet and there's a video of that and then there's a video several years later of uh Ro roger made a video when the bet expired and he pulled up the list or whatever that they'd agreed on and was like they had a look and they didn't it was nowhere near a thousand networks and he's like so i've won right and then as far as I know, Charlie never put up his half. He never acknowledged that he mm. lost. He never followed through. So that's that's my only uh, beef with him as to what what was going on there. You know, a bit of a cowardly move. Well, this is this is this is it. This is the consolation prize. Me showing up on this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, some guy well, from I'll the Litecoin community is going to show up. <laughs> no, no, this is this is a this is a win. We're making we're making inroads. Yeah. All right, we got meme of the week. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on, All right, you got to get involved. Okay, okay, right. yeah. Um, so now disclaimer: I don't have feelings one way or another for wash trading. People are free to do whatever the hell they want with their own money. But I remember, um, it was like eight months ago, I think, that. Uh, now this was unnamed, so I'm completely speculating that that it was Charlie. But there was a like SEC report that was put out that was directed at Coinbase. That and the whole thing was about like the early days of Coinbase had employees that were wash trading cryptocurrencies. And the reason that I thought it was Charlie was because it mentioned like a cryptocurrency creator got their coin listed on Coinbase and then was 90% of the market liquidity for like the first eight months or some ridiculous timeline or something like that. And so I wonder, uh, would... And this might actually be something where the Litecoin community appreciates Charlie for, because like, my question is, do you think, and this is assuming that all this is true, that if Charlie hadn't been wash trading, that Litecoin would be where it's at today? Oh, geez. What? I, okay. First of all, I don't know that that article ever said anything about a cryptocurrency creator. I know it was something in like the SEC documents said right. employees were wash trading. Okay. Yeah. But I don't, it didn't like, yeah, because he would have been the only crypto creator. Yeah. I don't know the dates. Do you know the dates too? Because Litecoin wasn't even on uh, Coinbase until uh, spring of 17. And also, he didn't work there for very long after Litecoin got listed. So I, th I think he quit maybe, even, I don't say before, but maybe shortly after uh, Coinbase accepted Litecoin. Because it was like, it was literally March of 17. You can look at the chart. It went from like $4 to $40 in like a couple of days. I thought he worked there for a couple of years after. Now, this is really fuzzy to me. Like, I definitely have to look this up and, and reference some things to have a serious, like, thought out conversation. But it's something that came to my mind and I wanted to <laughs> pester you about it. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Uh, the, well, the answer to that question is I have no idea, right? You're asking me to, you know, <laughs> Charlie like Lee defense squad over here, you know. Yeah. yeah, I can't speculate on that. I think that it's one exchange. Um, was Coinbase all the volume back then? I don't know. I don't know if that gave it validity, if it pumped up the volume numbers world. You'd have to see like how much of it of the worldwide volume was that wash trading supposedly yeah. okay. counting for. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? These are outside actors and it's a blockchain that has been running, by the way, flawlessly for over 11 years, 100% uptime, which is longer than yeah. nice. these other two that start with a B. <laughs> 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 and uh, 
Yeah, I mean that, and that's you know it's funny because I I don't I don't know how long you want to go into this. I wanted to just really sidebar to talk about you were talking about the openness about um, the New York Agreement, how how everything should be this open thing, and I think there's an interesting parallel here because Litecoin is decentralized in the sense that there's you know it's set up just like the way Bitcoin is, but we definitely have the Litecoin Foundation, and Charlie is that figurehead, and I think as a community we tend to see him as this kind of wise guy, this wise leader that takes his time and makes the right decisions. And we tend to trust him. And I think that's a, it can be a strength and it can be a weakness. So I think you have, I think what's happened in Bitcoin, unfortunately, because there is not that one guy, it's like these warring factions trying to take control of the narrative. And what's, what feels painful is when you're on the losing side of that, like you said, when you got the blockstream guys or whoever, the Bitcoin core developers, you know, they get to kind of, single-handedly make these decisions or like in a very small group they're making decisions that affect everybody um i another reason why you need diversity and options is money but uh i just think it's an interesting conversation to be had like is massive decentralization of like leadership is difficult it's nice to have kind of that guiding force and so there's some strength in that and every coin has their kind of leaders unelected leaders right but I, think, I don't know, it's just a thought I had about, you know, I think that's Roger, Yeah, I think Roger was that unelected leader for Bitcoin Cash for the longest time. And I think that it's actually been a great benefit for him to kind of step back over these past couple of years. And like, he hasn't been that active on Twitter. He just did his first interview in, I think, a year on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and, and seeing people kind of appreciate us as the podcast come in where we don't really, I feel like we don't have strong opinions about the way that the market's going. It's just like, we're interested in Bitcoin cash and seeing the appreciation that people have. We had people after the St. Kitts conference say like that they considered us the, the voice of Bitcoin cash. And to think that right. I thought of Roger as that voice when I got into cryptocurrency, it's very humbling. Cause I think I'm an idiot first off, but it's also very like, uh, I'm grateful to be in that position and I want to make sure that I don't abuse it. And I always worry. And I'm so glad that I'm not the host of the show too. First off, Jeremy, I think you have a way harder job than I do, <laughs> but I always worry if I were in the position of Charlie or Roger or Samson or even someone like Tone Vase, like how quickly would I make a fool of myself and be someone that I would make fun of on this show? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it might happen. I mean, I don't know. Of course, every crypto is is going to yeah have a sort of different sort of leadership, as it were. And and the whole point, yeah, is that it's not elected and there's it's kind of a sort of meritocratic thing in one sense of the way. Obviously, different chains, how exactly it happened can uh, vary on the specifics. But I think the idea for me and with the show is that we want to create more of a like when I started it, part another part of the reason was that the governance at the network protocol level uh, with the chip process is actually doing great. And the community does genuinely have like six full node implementations. So you can sort of vote by switching uh, what node team you're supporting. We've got voluntary funding for all of that. We don't have a foundation or a creator that hangs around. Love that. All very decentralized, right? So now it's just about creating some of that 
uh, same thing in the content space as well too so obviously we've done a lot of work but you've got like bitcoin jason has been doing it we've seen bitcoin cash tv recently we had the bch hangouts and callisti is now working on some stuff like more and more of that stuff uh will build up but of course there's always going to be sort of people who are the most involved and the most invested and spend the most time on it and they're going to have the most sway just because if you put in more time you're going to get more more cred uh with the community so yeah i think it's important that we have as many people as uh as possible try and fill into those those roles but there's always going to be some sort of loose um collection of of major actors that's just the reality like you the same thing probably happens with like governing you know the internet in terms of like http and blah 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 like the there's some group of people that nobody knows about who sort of make any decisions but the key point is basically you just want to get like you were saying about strength in numbers you just want to get the community big enough so that whoever it is that's in charge of the internet if they like fucked up something so that you couldn't go to websites anymore what everybody would just immediately be like you're out screw you like see the, right. the harassment or the you know not harassment but the lashback would be monstrous and it needs to be that same way that's why it's really important that in litecoin like you're saying you have that fun friendly vibe and the same with bitcoin cash that people are actually transacting and using the coin that's where the bdc side went wrong is because then like the coin is not usable and there's no community outcry once you have those two elements it's never going to be usable it just isn't because we're like all the people who want it to be usable have already left to something else so well, they it's, have it's this- so what's so bizarre is it's like the primary focus the last five years has been lightning network lightning network lightning network it's got to be but yes. then at the exact same time it's hodl 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 like well which one is it right doesn't make any sense at all and that's yes. that's again getting caught up in that number go up mindset that I think ultimately is detrimental. I, I appreciate what you said, Jet, because I think, you know, being the voice of uh, Bitcoin Cash, like, I think the reason you're appreciative is you're like, I'm glad it's me, right? You're like, I'm glad we didn't get captured by some moon boys, <laughs> so to speak. And that will happen if the community gets larger. And I do, like, that's something I want to, well, we've got some moon boys in our community. And I, I mean, it's a big, that's a big part of the community period, right? That's 90% of the people are here for that reason. So just to, stay grounded and when we do those twitter spaces i don't i almost never even talk about where the price is at all because uh to me these are more important than the temporary price and there's more important conversations to be had so yeah i mean i i'm glad i people are appreciating these things i'm doing and i'm hopeful that whatever this ethos is you know do i live it and breathe it 24 hours a day you know i i certainly stray right i don't you know, I'm not an absolutist in a lot of things. I still have a family and live a normal life. So it's like, uh, I want, but I want people to know that that's, that's the important stuff to think about is using the coin, using these tools and why, why were they created and why are they so important? Yeah. We certainly talk, like we do the touch on the price at the start of every. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, of course. you, You have to, you have to, I feel like it's too important not to not to at least mention it, and it's been fascinating across you know every guest I give a chance like I did with you to to say how they deal with the volatility and the and we've had a huge array of answers as to how people you know handle that or if they have different coins or if they follow the price religiously or never or like it's been very interesting to get a, a sense of that, but also just uh, the key reason that I have it in there is actually for history because the most interesting thing is going back and watching an old episode that's a year old or two years old or something like that and you see well what what like because of course the price 
data charts are available anytime you can look them up on this date it was this much but if you watch like when i went back to look at the christmas episode from last year it's just all in there so you say okay this is what the price was and then you say well what was the story what were we thinking about and having that as a complete package as a historical reference i think is very important because you know given that once the once the hype starts once we then get into the next cycle price goes through the roof probably across the board with all cryptos then people who start listening to the show can hear about that maybe they check out some older episodes and that really reinforces this whole look it's a long game kind of thing they can see oh wait the price was at 200 and then it went to 100 and if i was a paper hands i would have freaked out and missed the whole thing now that right. it's at 2000 you know like but having that as a tangible thing like people that are regular listeners to this show pretty soon you just tune out to whatever the price is because it's just okay it's like the weather you just report on okay it's sunny today it's raining tomorrow it's sunny again the next day you know it's just a fact of life you don't need to be too wrapped up in it basically yeah don't overextend yourself that's number rule number one and Survive, uh yes <laughs> yeah just yeah have a plan have some sort of kind of plan in place and know that it might not go might not go how you hope right so if the price gets cut in half from here if you're just not overextending yourself you got nothing to you're, fine. you're just going to yeah. not sell it for a little longer like it ultimately if it's a long term goal I mean, this is a saving technology right this is intended to build value I'm sounding a bit moon boy here mate uh, well, well but i'm just saying yeah. it's it's a it's something that you um yeah, you build over time, right? Your your vision should be long, just like you you would with any sort of savings. Yeah, Moon Boy. Yeah, yeah, like the stock market or anything. All right, can we do this meme of the week? Like we've been going for over the two hours now. I know. Yeah, I, I talk. I, I talk. No, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, you know, as long as you're good, we're good. But uh, yeah, no, that's we're just on a bit of a schedule here, I guess. I don't know. So meme of the week. I've got this, me and the lads celebrating a 0.1% pump after our portfolio is down 90%, right as we were just talking about that. And it's that old guy, the copium old guy with his uh, cup of coffee that is in those memes, like he's clueless about what's going on. And it's just about copy and paste about six of him uh, celebrating his 0.1% pump. And I thought this was brilliant to just, this is a good way to start the year because we're starting at a nice low price. We're at the bottom of the bear market probably even not going to get that much better this year it'll just grind along and then the hype will start you know uh with the halving coming up in 2024 2025 right so this this just uh made me like what are the top litecoin memes actually now we've got you got you here do, do the litecoin community have like a equivalent of laser eyes or some in jokes or things that they uh have? you know like our our whole mascots like the chicken I, and i don't even know where <laughs> yeah i love that arise chicken yeah was, that's our trust thing. Me, og btce in 2013 i was arising that chicken let me tell you yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's that's kind of like you know the doge and chicken thing right like there's one guy who's a doge guy i love our uh i can't i think arno hack or something is his name and he uh he always makes these ones. They're like, they're like down in the mines together. It's like an old timey picture in a coal mine. And he's like, got one as a chicken and one as a dog mining. And I think that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably the majority of it. And that is, that is something that's cool. I know I'm not a big NFT guy, but there's something light versus a new NFT marketplace on Litecoin, And they've got a new collection okay. of all these chickens that are like made up to be movie characters. Like it's like a movie poster. Of some famous okay. movie and a chicken replaces the star and I don't know it's kind of funny. <laughs> <That is laughs> I'd say funny, that's the actually. that's the one that we have been riding with for a long time. 
Okay, yeah, no, that's a good one. The chicken, yeah. Uh, BCH doesn't have a an animal uh, mascot. We're kind of getting onto the hot dog as maybe being a a mascot, which is again a bit of a, a troll uh, joke, just because there you can have BCH big Costco hot dog, and somebody <laughs> named the the Telegram Price Channel that, and it's just pretty funny because yeah, hot dogs are pretty comedic uh, kind of food, you know, as, right. as things go, and it's very approachable too. Like that's that's what we're saying about you need to be serious but also have a fun side. So that's a good, you know, I I can't wait until somebody at some point is going to do it, like show up to a conference wearing one of those, you know, hot dog like inflatable hot dog. I think that would be a classic if if somebody uh, maybe I'll have to do that. I don't know, no promises, but. Uh, Maybe it's just, it's just interesting how important the culture is, right? Yes. And how they kind of form yeah. and and uh like-minded people are attracted they they gravitate towards each other in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's just organic. You can't force it. If you force it, it's not a it's never as good. So there's no way to yeah, there's no way to pay for culture. That's the other thing as well too. You can't just being the richest crypto or the one that's price is pumping the most like FTX. Okay, they made a few billion dollars, but was anybody that keen on FTT token? No. Like nobody was making quality fucking chicken memes there. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, that's why they've gone bust. They had no uh That's right. People no who could ride out a yeah, couldn't ride out the bear market. Okay, we got a message to the community. So every guest that comes on the show gets a chance to speak to the Bitcoin Cash community. Oh Any my thoughts, gosh. advice, feedback, criticism, encouragement, story, or point of view. You should be uh, more prominent or appreciated. So here's your chance to just absolutely just shit talk us or shill the hell out of Litecoin or, you know, uh, Boy. praise us, whatever, whatever all right. angle. Sits Sell in, all you your know. Bitcoin Cash. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. <laughs> Well, <laughs> feel free to make a compelling argument. Why um, should we just ditch BCH and all in on Litecoin? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, you know, I do, I do find like uh, there's such a a connection in these few communities, like I mentioned earlier, where it's like you feel like we're the the Dino chains or whatever. They're kind of beaten down by the markets have just made us feel worse and worse every year, right? Um, but yeah, I'd say you know keep keep the long view right if you if you know what you have is is valuable and it has usefulness to you then the market's kind of just this temporary thing and i think makes the spend and replace thing you guys are you guys are uh proponents of that i would say stick with it and come to my litecoin underground spaces like seriously these are fun yeah. conversations i don't sit there and just we're not like all litecoin and we're not you're not going to come in and we're not just going to make fun of you or something but you know, we have, we have good, interesting conversations. Yeah, I love uh, you, you have those. You have those uh, hats I saw on your Twitter profile. You got oh, yeah. pinned one of those hats. Do you have any of them left? I could maybe get in on one Look, of those hats because I. Well, you're not yeah, sure yet. It's be so expensive to ship them to you. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm living in the UK. Maybe, uh, maybe to the I UK, got them but... in black and white. These were actually I got these. Oh, that's like custom ink, white. dude. They came out. I made I like... these in yeah. like an hour. I designed them on the site, and they shipped uh -huh. them out to me like eight days later. It was crazy good Sick. No, i like that uh the white one was looking pretty cool because well why what was your because that's the london underground uh yeah that's where i came symbol, up with the right? name i was trying to think yeah, of this yeah. community and i was like originally like gonna be like the litecoin alliance or and then i like literally woke up one morning i was like oh litecoin underground is perfect i was like envision that logo and then somebody made like my twitter profile has a logo uh that somebody just spit out for me like in a week and I've used that. Yeah. This one I just made up for the hats, 
but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool, right? No, it's very cool. It was Just a very up. cool uh, branding too, because it makes it seem like, uh, you know, people at like some shady pub, like you know, having a few beers. The resistance once the CBDCs come in and like they're just <laughs> yeah. locking us all out of the economy. When it's like, no, the Litecoin underground, like spoken in hushed whispers, is like right because you guys had radio rollers, underground, don't talk about right? Wasn't there radio? Or not, you're not no, in England. I keep thinking. I don't know. Yeah, there was a radio I underground. Know, I think that was like pirate radio in england and like the uh like when the bbc ran all the, the radio stations or whatever there was a radio yeah, underground yeah. pirate radio out in the ocean so I think that <laughs> oh yeah yeah all, yeah. i know what you're talking about it yeah, all yeah, comes yeah. together man yeah. well it's all very rebellious it's all connected i'm in the yeah. middle of the ocean right now <laughs> that's it you're just on the uh you know in the cabin in the like floating on a little fucking dinghy exactly know, exactly like one room little box and a satellite <laughs> dish on the top you know streaming live to the world from Liberland, like uh, some seasteading uh, going on in the international waters yeah exactly the pirate communities that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely love those vibes. All right, cool. Well, that will pretty much do it for the show then. That uh that pretty much does it. Thank you very much to our patrons, Ricky and HP, legends as ever. Uh you can check out bitcoincashpodcast.com for all the show info and details and whatever. Thank you to all of our donators, podcast streamers, uh, and all that. And uh shout outs to the show. So yeah, I mean you already shilled your uh show a little bit, but is there anything else you want to point people to in terms of Twitter or things that they should uh check out to follow more of what you're doing? Yeah, just follow me on uh Twitter. It's at LTC Underground. I'm actually I just I'm gonna start doing some streaming here soon. So I'm not I think it might Love be that. next weekend or the week after. I think I'm gonna start doing just Saturday mornings. It's one of those things, turn the camera on and go, and over time I'll figure out what works and what doesn't, and hopefully gather more of a a team and a regular crowd. But it'll be crypto and other things like this was, right? Yeah. And getting all sorts of topics. Looking forward to that BDC versus BCH debate. I will be tuning in. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll do it. For sure. I'll, I'll bring That's a Maxi on. I'll find a good hardcore yeah. Maxi, and you can just slice them They're up. pretty they're pretty fragile that's the that's the real thing about the maxis they they're only tough guys in their echo chamber once you just put them up in the free market oofed, they have some problems yeah any <laughs> shout outs this week <laughs> well they don't i can't even find any of them to talk to me that's what frustrates me <laughs> that's it they're already scared you know they're like they're like the boxers who never want to you know accept a challenge they're like acting real tough and then you're like okay well what about this guy who wants to fight you oh no no he's uh you know he, oh. <laughs> yeah i'm too like we're too small time for him right if it's not ethereum yeah. or it's not xrp they don't want to talk about it because they don't have an argument you know so all right That's we right. shit on maxis all day but we got, we got things <laughs> Jed, to do Jed, Jed, give us the shout out so my shout out is uh something that i'm hoping to call back to in the future uh it will be to be cashy yeah. actually this is kind of a two-part shout oh, out yes. so be cashy and i were talk talking about a uh old twitter account that's now been banned the handle used to be crack connoisseur i showed it to jeremy while we oh, were yes. in saint kitts and uh the theme to his videos seem to be like very aesthetic and like less than minute long videos where it was just about getting a point without saying the point so it would just show a bunch of clips where people are then you know saying hypocritical statements and uh, i'd like to see some of that in the bitcoin cash culture because we have so much of that as history so it'd be nice to get it into these little clip-sized chunks so 
Shout out to B Cashy for uh, for entertaining me and uh, letting me uh, fill his ear with my crappy ideas. And hopefully, in an episode or two, I'll be able to reference that maybe as meme of the week. Okay, meme of the week. I'm looking forward to that. And my shout out is to all of our new listeners, especially anybody that has just come over from the Litecoin underground and hopefully you got a bit of a dose of what Bitcoin Cash is about, some of the history, some of uh, some of that stuff. So yeah, maybe look into it if you're if you're interested because we're all in the same yeah peer to peer cash kind of uh, kind of vibe kind of moves. So maybe you know find some new people you can trade crypto with or maybe there's a meetup near you or, or whatever. Um, just kind of always interesting. So yeah, check that out and thank you all for listening and until next time. We're coming for you, banks. I wasn't bored last night. I know the money ain't bright. But I was coding up the future last night. You were busy hating with your stupid friends online. That the Federal Reserve still paychecks straight out of your purse. Today they got a dollar, tomorrow got nine. Your savings are in dollars and your value in decline. Google it. No Federal Reserve. Gone burr, but it seems that you ain't heard. Nervous, cash in the bank now. Where you think it goes? Stupid little fuck, you trust the government shows. While the rich banks rob you, rob it blind, man. Future dollars can buy nothing for.